The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Ladies and gentlemen, David Attell. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show. Good to see you, my brother. I I was telling your guys before you showed up, I was like, uh, I'm hoping there's other guests besides me because I don't really think I'm interesting enough to hold the whole show. We can do it. You think so? Yes. All right, I believe I have, in you. I have zero worries. <laughs> I'm glad you brought your straw. Thank you. And I'm also, <laughs> I'm also glad you brought your hobo sack. <laughs> I'll show everybody. <laughs> He's a comedy nomad. That's how you travel, That's people. all he brings. Fresh underwear and socks. That's oh. it. Let's go. Good to be back in Texas. Good to see you. How was the Cap City? Did you enjoy it? It was awesome. I mean, you and I back in the day played the old Cap City. Yeah. And uh, that was definitely an iconic club. And this is the, uh, I guess you can say the... Um, the reimagining of it. This is uh, the, the Helium folks who do an amazing job. Exactly. Helium folks are great. They, they really are. That fucking place in Philly is the shit. The one in Portland is the shit. The, all their clubs are fucking locked down. They're all solid as a rock. I totally agree with you. And they put a lot of work into mm-hmm. it. And uh, let's face it, this town, you know, uh, people will come to a show. They really are great comedy fans. So. Uh, and I'm like so happy that uh, that Cap City's open too. I want as many clubs open as possible. I think it's sustainable. I think there's a giant comedy audience here. People really love it. They love live performance overall. Like there's a lot of live music that goes on here. A lot of live comedy. And uh, so we're happy. Texas. I was gonna say like Texas has always been like. Um you know, on the road, like Houston, Dallas, yeah, fun. Uh, you know, uh, San Antonio. These were always like the hardcore, you know, uh, comedy clubs, the uh, definitely where you like couldn't wait to get there. Kind yeah, of shows. the fun spots. Mm-hmm. I used to love Addison. That fucking improv was the shit. Awesome. It still is. Still is the shit. And my Such favorite club. Do you remember uh, ca- um, the com- uh, what was it called uh, in Houston? Um, Laugh Stop. The Laugh Stop. That that's, was the best. That's where I learned to be a headliner. That's what I yes. always think. That was the club where I really got it together and I was like, I can hold an hour, you yes. know, right here, you know? I did my first CD there. Oh, you did? Yes. Well, there you go, man. Yeah, that place is magic. That place was magic. I, I heard that, that that spot is still there, which I was like, Jesus Christ, if that's the case, once we open up in Austin, I would love to open up a mothership in, in Houston. Oh, absolutely, man. If that place is still there, holy shit, that place is amazing. Yeah, it's always been like, uh, you know, what? Uh, I remember it was like me, Hedberg, and uh, Patrice, like mm-hmm. we would all like rotate through there, yeah. and it was always like if you ran into him, like, oh man, I was just uh, at yep. the stop. I was like, oh, it must have been awesome, and you know, you'd be jealous, you know. Crazy ass Mark Babbitt ran a hell of a club. He really did. He a really visionary. Did. Oh man, God, he loved comedy. That's all it takes. It takes a crazy person that loves comedy who's willing to like go all out. When the uh, owner of the club, you know, or the manager gets it, you know, yeah, and then I, it's not just like a beer and beverage, you know, right. this isn't a Dave and Buster's. This is like a real place, like where people do something special. Yeah, then you can always tell it feels it feels different, you know. And he also had that long running open mic they do in the front. Mm-hmm. You know, that front open mic was amazing. You would get there at eight o'clock, and the show would start, and then they'd start an open mic around the same time, and the open mic would go to fucking two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Constantly rotating comics in there. It was like it was an exciting thing. Yeah. And when that place went under, it fucking, you know, it took a lot of the steam out of the scene. For sure. That's why your club 
And you're real close now. Real close, yeah. Like, that's going to, honestly, that's a game changer, especially for this town and for, uh, you know, for all of us road people. You know, I'm a club guy. That's what I do. I do yeah. clubs. So I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to get on that stage, if I may. You 100% will be one of the first people <laughs> on that stage. I'm going to put up the bat signal. Oh, that would be awesome. I'll send you in. I, it's uh it's exciting to be able to do. It's exciting to be able to do it with no stress, too, to be able to do it the right way. Right. And just have an, an amazing club set up for comics and the audience. And just make it make it so that, like, we do our best at, in every corner. Uh-huh. Not fuck with people. Appreciate them. Treat them with respect. Uh-oh. Mike's falling apart. I'm good. Appreciate them. Treat them with respect. Like, encourage people to, to work and give open mic nights. And yes. Have, yeah. Have things like that where... You have plenty of plenty of time and kill Tony and that kind of shit. You know, where you really encourage the community. Definitely, you gotta. Um, you know, when the club also supports the locals, it's not just like for the headliners. That's yeah. when you know it's like a real deal situation because uh, you know these local scenes. Like I was just in Nashville. That that scene is popping here. Of course, it's out of control, and uh, you know it's getting the locals. You know, on stage in front of a big crowd. You know, that's yeah. important. Getting them on stage in front of me, giving them those spots, like the Kill Tony spots. And I've had a few of those guys like Hans Kim and William Montgomery and David Lucas, who, you know, started in L.A., but he's out here now, too, right. doing those shows with, with us there, too. And they're, they're exploding. And well, there's also a lot of room for other clubs, too. There's a lot of room. There's so many comics here, man. Everybody who goes to these open mics out here, these guys who come, they go, dude, these kids are good. They're good, and they're writing, and they're energized. It's like it's an exciting time. And people are like really fired up about, it. and you see like a real clear path to being a professional, which was always weird for us. Right. Like you remember the early days of open mic? There was no help. None. It was. I mean, strange. I don't know about you, like your your uh, yeah, I guess origin story, but like I had a job for like the first five or six years of comedy, and like I was such a bad comic that like I would sometimes go like, oh god, I can't wait to get back to my day job <laughs> oh man i can't wait to eat a muffin at my desk you know it's like that kind of a thing so yeah i know what these these people go through and even though there's like all these platforming and all that stuff it'll always be the same like you know basically uh you know whatever i guess you could say the journey the uh has many roads many twists and turns so you know the journey does but at least this way I think there's a map of the landscape now for sure whereas when we started it was just you, you were hoping that someone would take you on the road or you would hoping that you'd get a road gig you didn't know like how to and you're doing like five ten minute spots in the beginning mm -hmm. if you're lucky you get ten minutes right yeah. so then someone says can you do 20 and you're like yes but you really can't you know right like, <laughs> of course yeah <laughs> so it's like you're opening at a bar with you know at least ten bullshit minutes and when you're in a town like I, you know, started in New York, Long Island, all that stuff, there was there was a lot of open mics. Yes. So I was lucky where you can go to one place, you know, like bomb and then skid mark your way over to the next one and, yeah. you know, like suffer there and then the next one. So you got like a whole like night of sadness, whereas some kids it's like, you know, especially uh, West Coast, it's like, oh, I got a spot, you know, one a week. And then they kind of live with that, that kind of like trauma for it's a whole week. It's better there now. It's better there now oh, for is? the L.A. guys. The, you can actually develop in L.A. now. Um, but it, in the early 2000s and the 90s, it was real hard. You I'm couldn't sure. get spots. Everybody was getting spots. Like TV stars and actors and stuff were getting spots. Yeah, it's uh, it's. What it, year did you start? Uh, in the late 80s, at the end of the comedy boom. The uh, me too. I started 88. Yeah, I was like 87, and I remember like comedy had just died because I worked the uh, door at the old Improv in New York. That was like one of the original comedy clubs, and honestly, it was weird to be a doorman to no audience. You know, you basically, 
hold the door open, there's a guy out there. Oh no, he's just. Was it a difference? Was there a big drop off in New York? I, I think that I think that the comedy boom, like what you saw, like in Boston. You know, like where every place was doing comedy shows yeah. and there were so many great locals, you know, just like hardcore killer acts that like uh, New York, that kind of didn't really, it, it dissipated and then it kind of faded out. And a lot of these clubs kind of went down and then, um, you know, we were just basically hanging on, you know, just learning to do comedy, you know, so it was like we didn't care. You know, if it was a a big room, we still would have we still would have suffered. But still, like the fact that there was like only twelve people in there, it almost kind of fit where we were in right. comedy. You know, I remember those days at, at Dangerfields. Did you do Dangerfields? Yes. yes, I did. Those are the best. Those yeah. shows where there was no one in the audience. <laughs> I used to call that that club the Humbler. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you ever thought Bobby? you were doing all right, you go in there and they take you right back to reality. Do you remember Bobby, the big uh, Scottish guy that worked the door? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I saw Bobby pick a man up by his neck. <laughs> Bobby would make his own weights. He would uh, he would fill up like uh, these these like ten gallon jugs with cement. He would make his own weights. Oh, cool! Yeah, he did a lot of wild shit. Like Bobby was like this like tank of a man. It was it was, it was a small club with a lot of big people in oh it. Oh my god, it was, you know, a, it was tiny. It was like an elevator basically. It was but, an amazing place. And then they had that big piano in there. Yeah. And I was like, you know, where am I supposed to <laughs> I don't play the piano. What am I supposed to do? You know? You had to have a piano if you had class back sure, then. Sure, just in case. Class. <laughs> this is a fucking real club. The improv used to have that problem. I'm like, why do we have a piano up here? Yeah. I would always say that to Rita. I'm like, Rita, look at me. Why, no one's playing a fucking piano. C Craig can bring his own piano. He brings a, a piano sometimes. What when I, Robinson what, wants to go up. What I always like uh, with the improv piano is like, you can tell who was raised right, who puts their drink on the piano. Like, <laughs> uh-oh, right, you're going to leave expensive. a ring. It's probably an expensive piano. Yeah, I don't know who uses it, but they got it there. And uh, yeah, I like that club too, the that Melrose club. Improv. I always felt really at it's home. A great there, club, you know? that, that club's great. That was my spot after I left the store in 2007. I was at the Improv all the time. It was great. That in the Ice House. Yeah, the like, Ice House. I only played a couple times. Oh my god, it's magic. That room's magic. The Ice House, one of the most underrated clubs in the country. That's such a good room. That the the big room when it's packed. Oh my god. That, that room's amazing. Do you, uh, like, you know, you got a family and everything. Do you still, like, having the time to go out every night and, like, you know, work on work on an act? Like, Well, my kids are young, so they go to bed right around uh -huh. the time I'm leaving. Yeah. Which is nice. So, uh, like, I'm leaving, like, an hour before they go to bed. Okay. So it's there's a benefit in that. And that was a st at the store, it was even better. Because at the store, most of my spots were after 10. So I was leaving, like they were well asleep. Yeah. But I'm leaving the house. And it's it's like I could come home too and write when no one's awake. Which oh, that's good. for me is come home, spark up a little, mm -hmm. sit in front of the computer and just sit there and just think. When wow. everyone's asleep and the world's quiet, like that's my favorite time to write. You know, during the, uh, you know, when everything was shut down, you know? Yeah. Like the scariest thing was like, I miss being on the road, you know? Mm -hmm. I miss being out there, like, you know, headlining and all that stuff, too. But what I really miss was, like, going to the Comedy Cellar in New York and going on and doing the spot. And whatever version of comedy they had, the outside, the behind the plexiglass, of course I did it. But then there were times when everything was shut, and I was like, uh-oh, I'm yeah. starting to get used to not going out. And yeah. I got really scared. It was like one of those, yeah. like, where you're like, you know... Maybe I don't need to go out anymore. You know, you I've been doing this a long time. I'm an old guy, you know. Ron White went through that. Did he? Yeah. Okay, I love so, Ron. Ron was out here, and we hadn't done shows together in, it, it was like at least a year for me. It was, it was around 
So it was around eight months of no comedy at all in L.A. And we had just started doing these outdoor shows with Chappelle. So I knew I had to freshen up, so I started doing shows at the Vulcan. And Ron was going to do uh, Tony's show at the Vulcan, and he's like, well, I think I'm retired. I think I'm going to take my boat and I'm going to fucking <laughs> play golf and fuck it. I made a lot of money, and I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine with retiring. So uh, Tony goes, well, just do, like, one show. You just If you want to, you can go do a set. No pressure. It's like, all right, man. Man, I'll fucking think about it, but I think I'm fucking retired. The next day, he's like, uh, so did you think about it? He goes, yeah, I'm prepared. Uh, let's go. I'm, I'm going to do a set. So he goes up and fucking murders. So Tony talks to his girlfriend, and Ron had gone over his iPad. He was fucking going over notes and listening to old recordings, taking notes. and He went up there, guns blazing. Oh. And Ron White crushed. And then he gets off stage, he grabs me by my shoulder. He goes, whatever the fuck we have to do, we're going to keep doing this. <laughs> he goes, whatever the fuck we have to do, get your fucking club open, let's go, Joe Rogan. I'm like, God damn, Ron White. I love Ron, man. You know, he's like one of the few guys I know who is successful and really enjoys it. Oh, he, loves he loves it. it. He loves it. He's great. Like, he's always just... writing, too, man. He's always working on new shit. He comes down. We do those Tuesday and Wednesday shows at Vulcan. He's always coming down and working on new shit. He's yeah, he doesn't have to do any of that. Murders. I'm sorry. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff. It's just he loves the game. You know? Well, you don't have to do it either, but you do it. It's the same thing, man. It's like these guys who just love what we they love, the, the thing, the stand-up, the fucking thing. When you're set up, punchline, boom, you wrote it. Now you're making it better. It's killing. It's like this is my new chunk. Like, woo, it's Well, I don't exciting. know if you've seen me lately. <laughs> I, uh, that's very kind of you. Yeah, no, I would say that I'm in that moment now where it's like my crowd is so good. Like uh, the people who've been like coming to see me for years now, like they are so good. All the different ways you want them, like they love jokes. There's no line for them. You know, right. they don't want it. They don't want it dumbed down. They don't want it. They know I don't pick sides, and they know that it's it's about the joke, and that I'm trying to bring them new material every time. And they drink and they tip hard, and they're good to the staff. So what more can I ask for? You That's know? the best. I'm a lucky guy. I'm very lucky. That's and anybody who works with me, they always say the same thing. They go, Dave, your crowd is awesome. So it's beautiful. You know, it's a great compliment. Well, it's because you're doing all the right things. You're doing comedy just for comedy. You know, you're just having fun and. Some of us th th fell apart. Yeah. Some of us fell apart in this wonderful world of like, what's okay to talk about, what's not okay to talk about, what's a joke and what's not acceptable. It's like, come on. It it seems like you and I have both done the west, you know, west east coast kind of like. Yeah. Uh, you you do your your show on the road, and you're like, there is no wrong, and then you hit like a, a showcase show like New York. Or whatever, and I'm old. I mean, I'm yeah. 57 years old, and I am so. I never try and be relevant, but irrelevant is the word. Like they kind of go up there, and it looks like I'm about to lead like a, a, a ghost hunting tour. You know, <laughs> they're like terrified, but like the moans and the groans and all that kind of stuff. I'm kind of getting used to it. You know, the choppy sea, as I call it. You know, yeah. the the little like whimpers and like you know cries of foul play. I mean, it's like. Okay, that's that's how you guys react. I gotta just deal with that. But it's nothing like them back in the day when you knew immediately when you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's not a plate of chicken wings coming at you. You know, it's right. like I mean, you know, like let's take it for, for us, what it is. Yeah, for people who've done uh, those prom shows at Dangerfields. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you know, <laughs> the reaction, the reaction is is different. You know, but I would say the 
and this probably scares you too, is the cold silence of a young crowd. You know, where they're yeah. just basically, you could see it in their head. They're buffering. They're trying to figure out what to, how to react. It's interesting because, like, there's a way to navigate those waters, right? But these are definitely new waters. And if you are, if you want to bring up controversial material, there's certain people that aren't even going to listen to what you're saying. They, they won't listen to what you're saying. What they want to do is just immediately react to a subject and bark. Right. They immediately want to, like, state their position on the subject and bark. So you've hit, like, political or cultural hot points, mm-hmm. and you can't even have a take on them that's humorous. They won't allow that because they feel like they're an activist. I, that's I, the problem. I, I, I know what you're talking about, and, like, I, I'm always, like, you know, it's the joke, and, like, I really— you know, put a lot of time into material. So, like, uh, anybody who knows me, it's like, I check a joke. I want to make sure that, like, I'm doing it, you know, it's You've my joke. you called me several yeah, times. Yeah, I have, right. Several times. That's saying, a weird hey, call, it. isn't it? No, it's a good call. <laughs> it's a good call because it's a call from an artist. You know, you're like, hey, this seemed like it came to me too easy. Have you heard this? But uh, but that, but that, my friends, you know, I include you in this group, always go like, you know, your calls are almost cryptic. Like, do you say, <laughs> do you say antelope in a, in a joke? <laughs> Do you have a joke that ends with Fruit Loops? I'm like, uh, yeah. What, who is this? You know that kind of thing. It's so funny because Santino called me up the other day in a frenzy. He's like, I, do you have a joke on this? I feel like you have a joke on this. I had a nightmare that you had a joke on this in one of your old specials. I go, nope, definitely don't. Right. I definitely don't. If I do, I forgot it. So, and, the, and it, <laughs> it's fair play. Luckily, there's all these super fans now where like yeah, they start quoting your it. old material at you. Yeah. I'm like, who is that guy? Oh, that's me. Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I know what someone will bring up a joke, and I don't even know how it goes. Because mm. I, I have to abandon them. We all have to abandon Do you smoke cigars? Uh, no, that was no? my dad's thing. No, I'm, I'm on these uh, these American spirits. Those are good. Those are healthy. Uh, are they? <laughs> I don't think so. Mm-mm. But, uh, you know, you've been, uh, you've been cool with that because I know when people get the call, sometimes they get all like, why, why are you asking me this? And I'm like, I'm just trying to check the joke. Oh, man, everybody does that. If you don't do that, then maybe you've never had an idea that came to you that's weird. Like, sometimes an idea will come to you. It's like, is that? No one's thought that already? Yeah. How's too no one easy. That one? A too easy joke. Too easy. Yeah. And you don't know, man, because, like, there's shit that you might have heard when you had been doing comedy for six months and you completely forgot about it. And then all of a sudden it pops in your head as if it's yours. And you're like, oh, shit. And then you also have to, because there's so many different ways to stream and yeah. platform that now it's like, oh, you know, is this a joke? You know, like, is this one cool or did someone already TikTok this idea or that? You know, like, what's going on? Is somebody memeing? That? Sorry, I don't even know the terms. So that's the point of like, oh, it's hard and harder to check material all the time. Yeah, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, well, it's part of the fun of it all. It is a fun way to make a living, goddammit. For sure. And I, I always, um, you know, since I have very few um, marketable skills, you know, it's cool to have one where you have some control over your, you know, destiny, situation, and all that kind of stuff. You've managed to avoid all the pitfalls of social media. No, I, I'm not into it. Yeah. I, I, I kind of rock with a flip phone. I got someone who does that for me, and I'm, uh, you know, I answer every message I can, and you know, I just don't, I don't, uh, I mean, I give you a lot of credit for what you do. Doing this every day for hours on end, that's tough. That's really tough, and it's hard to get up for that show. Dude, it's, it's a easy. fans one. It Coal is? mining's tough. Yeah, this well, is easy true. as fuck. I'm talking to people like you. Mm-hmm. How hard is that? I'm the luckiest guy alive. I get to talk to some of the coolest fucks that have ever lived. Well, I don't it's know. amazing. It's so fun. You got to give a lot of yourself for that. I'm not really like, a, um, uh, you know, like. 
I, I have trouble talking about myself, and I like talking about comedy. And like, uh, you know, we were talking about this outside in the hall about like, uh, there's a lot of dead uh, friends of ours, you know, out there and stuff like that. And you know, if I could bring one up, would be cool. Uh, Gilbert, you yeah. know, who I was there when he went down. You know, uh, Jeff Ross and I were both really close friends of the family and Gilbert. And uh, we had both been there, like, day of. And uh, I was there in the morning when he went down. And I was thinking, like, you know, here's a guy who generationally, like, for since the 80s, you know, yeah. has been famous, infamous, famous, all that kind of stuff. And we all knew him in the comedy world, like, what he was about, or at least I did. Yeah. You know, I was always a huge fan of his. He always made me laugh. Always made me laugh. And it's great when you get a guy that you know and he makes you laugh. And uh, I was like, you know, social media for him was easy. Like, he loved it. He loved cameo. He yeah. was like the biggest cameo guy in the world. Like, yeah, he's yeah. happy huge. birthday. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> cocksucker. I hope your anniversary. You know, like yeah. just these, these like like a troll yeah, sending yeah, out, yeah. you know, like riddles. But yeah. but like he loved it. He loved it. And it's like it's amazing how like you know he's a guy he's older than me, but he somehow took to it and it worked for him. You know, it just naturally fit his personality for sure. He was a funny fucking dude, man. He, I was so happy to get him in here and get a chance to talk to him and you know because i never really had that much time talking to him i was just like saying hi at a club here or there but to sit down that's the thing about like a podcast that's different than any other kind of conversation you get to really know someone over hours and hours of time just shooting the shit about stuff true it's like how often do we get a chance to do like some of the best conversations i've ever had with my friends have been public everything has every we're all different places different times yeah. all that kind of stuff but with gilbert i was going to say that you know, here's a guy who, like, when I would go, hey, you're in town, come down to the comedy cellar and do a set, or I'll bring you on stage and we'll, like, do, like, a little something, you know? Yeah. And, like, uh, you know, Jeff and I always loved, like, working with him, you know, he's always so much fun. But, like, he, he was like, no, why would I do that? I was just <laughs> in Poughkeepsie, New York. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to get, go up in front of strange, you know, like, he was like, you know, the job was the job. And yeah. then, you know, he did his other thing. So I, I kind of respected that about him, too, you know? But he also did Cameo. He, so, no, he loved Cameo. So he's a complicated man. <laughs> he really was. <laughs> I'm sure the flag was that half-staff at Cameo when he went down. I bet. Yeah. Cameos are odd. I go to watch people's Cameos sometimes. You know what's the saddest? When they flub it and they don't redo it. Like, well, come on, man. It's really good how, like... Um, you know, being older, like you're like, I wonder what these surviving cast members of Magnum PI are up to. I guess I can look on Cameo and yeah. see which ones are available for a happy birthday message. You know, God, what a weird thing. People love it. You get famous people to wish you happy birthday. Who's the number one person on Cameo, Young Jamie? If you had a guess, is it? Uh... I bet you it's still Gilbert. Oh. Was Gilbert really number one? Uh, I think he was. I know who it is now. I think. But at least for a while, those island boys took over for a minute. Those but, guys that went viral online. Are they still around? Because of that. It's really working still? I Good for, I hope they stay around forever. Yeah. I hope them, they get together with that girl, the Catch Me Outside girl, and they, they make super she was babies. A, yeah, she definitely would super be Super influencer hit. babies. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when people like, become successful and, oh, like that wow. for no fucking reason and people get mad. Like, what the fuck? Why is everybody paying attention? Like, why are you mad? Like, look at this. It's ridiculous. It's fun. The top earners are kind of a surprise. It's Kevin from The Office. Put that shit up. Let's really? See. Yeah. That's what do we got? Uh, Brian Bob Baumgartner is his name. Interesting. Is he really good at it or something? I, I don't know. Huh. Wow, click, you could click do it. Click on like... the thing. 
You got a whole day's worth of So great... that dude? Yeah. Wow. Good for him. At least at this time, which was uh, 2020, November 21. Cost of businesses, 2600 bucks. Damn, you could rack up some numbers. Yeah, really. There's Gilbert. He was up there. Yeah, you... Gilbert would do like 10 a day. I mean, if, if not more, you know? That's a lot of money, man. Michael Rappaport's in there. Mm-hmm. How many is Rappaport doing? How much does it cost to get Rappaport to talk shit to you? Uh, 200 bucks. Damn, that's a good deal. So anybody gets to pick the number? That's Carol Baskin. She's on it? Joe, Jod- Joe Exotic <laughs> should be on if she's on it. Where's your husband? Where's your husband, lady? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to learn to like make some money online or something like Imagine that. Imagine that. Did she really, if, if, let's just say if, we're not alleging anything but if she really did feed her husband to a tiger right you can get her wish you happy birthday that is fucking hilarious that's how i want to go too is food i think that's a great way to go out it is kind of weird that we kind of cheat on the food pyramid thing because we we embalm ourselves so we don't rot Mm -hmm. so nothing can eat us it's a real it's a dirty trick like the alligator pit would be kind of fun don't you think when your body's done, yeah, just have just, a little celebration and throw you in a pit full of alligators? Because they have zero respect. You know, the way they roll, you know how they kill, you know how they kill, they roll. Oh, oh that would be just seeing myself twerking around like that. Oh. Jamie, did I show you the video of the crocodile that's swimming with a body in its mouth? A human body in its mouth? Did I send that to you? This one's rough. Um, I, someone sent, sent this to me on Instagram. Um, it's a uh, crocodile. And it's swimming up to this boat, and it sounds like they're from Australia or South Africa. It's hard to tell, but uh, they're because I don't, I'm not good at accents. But they're <laughs> um, they're trying to uh, figure out what it is, and then they realize it's a human. Oh no! Oh, dude, it's rough. It's rough. I'm gonna try to find. Okay, it. this is the kind of stuff. Is, is it? Uh, it for the video to load, could be it. Could be it. Yeah, that's a crocodile, right? Oh, there it is on there. No, that's not. No, that's not, not it. That looks. Yeah, I think I think they're just showing croc videos. So they're not going to show the video. I don't think so. Let's see. This guy's Maybe. fighting him off with I his. Just took a video. I have on Twitter. I guarantee know. you, I have it in here. If you Hold just on. give me one second, I'll find it. Extremely graphic footage. Here, this. Is this it? No, that's another one. Oh no. That's another one yeah, with this the body. Is from a month I, ago. I've seen that one too. Bro, seriously. Oh Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. That's wow. The one. So look at that. Mm. Bro, that is fucking he rough. He depants them, too. That is fucking rough. By the arm. That is rough. And it looks like the crocodile wants everybody to see it. Yeah. That's what's most <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> now, how like much is... swimming over like it wants everyone to see that it killed a person. Now, I want to... How much is that crocodile's cameo? Is it? Bro. <laughs> I just want you to look at that, how crazy that is. That is pretty... That we accept the fact that monsters live near us, that we're, we're cool with that. Like, why are we cool with that? Well, what the fuck I, is wrong with us? I think it puts us, like, kind of in our place a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, is that necessary? I uh, get it. I don't know. I don't think we should keep those things around. Everybody <laughs> thinks we should keep them around. Like, I, I think shoot them in the fucking head and turn them into shoes. You're out of your fucking mind. Those things eat people. Like, we're just so far removed from nature that we think that, and I'm not advocating, honestly, I'm joking around. I'm not advocating for the elimination of all crocodiles. Right. But the fact that people are, like, really comfortable being around them just blows my mind. Just, like, the, the, it, Florida's having more and more alligator attacks every year. Like, every 
Is that true? I might have made that up. But I think there's been a, a number this year in Florida. Well, that's one of my favorite shows where the guys get to go out and cull the herd. You oh, know? yeah. That's really cool. The way they do that, man, I love it. And uh, they're doing it now with the pythons because that's another invasive yeah. species. That shows swamp people, right? What is this? I love Alligator it. attacks do happen in Florida, but not at an alarming rate. It's One is an alarming rate. If one, one <laughs> person that gets killed thought. by a werewolf, if one, <laughs> if one a year gets killed by a werewolf, that's fucking alarming. That's not what that guy thought. Well, there's only an average of six a year, I feel like. But I think this year there was a few. I think a, a few people died this year. How many people died from alligator attacks in 2022? Just, just Google that real quick. I'm going to guess. I think it's six. I think six people have died from alligator attacks. No, that's nothing. What about drunk driving? What about Oxycontin? <laughs> what about, uh, yeah, 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 that too. That too. But fucking also alligators. Four so far. Four. How many, how many have just fucking disappeared? How many homeless folks just vanished? Mm. One of my favorite stories was a guy stole a car. And the cops are chasing him, and he uh, jumps out of the car on a bridge and jumps in the water and lands right on an alligator and gets killed right in front of the cops. Oh, wow. Like That's he just great. landed, <laughs> boom, right where the alligator was. Just snaps him up, like, right away. Wow. Uh, you, you've Fuck. Been, you've been in New York lately or no? Yes. Yeah, we got our own little thing going on over there now. What's going on? I don't know. It's kind of uh, it's kind of like a... Um, um, you know, it's like a little bit of mayhem, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially the street people, like, pretty aggressive. And, uh, you know, it does feel like... Um, <laughs> like the homeless folks are aggressive? Yeah, just like, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, psychosis Mentally, out there. Yeah. There's a lot of whatever's going on, a lot of aggressive panhandling, a lot of just, like, I can do whatever I want whenever I want going on. Right. So it's kind of old school New York, like, more like in the 70s, 80s than it is, and it's filthy. You know, it is that kind of, like, it's like it's like Gotham without Batman, you know? That's really <laughs> what it is. It's just pretty much out of control. But uh, you definitely see, like, um, rats. Like, have you ever seen... Um, uh, a tornado of rats. I've seen a lot of rats before. I saw, like, I was walking from the Comedy Cellar, like, uh, up towards Washington Square Park late at night, and just, like, a bag of garbage, like, and then it was just, like, a circle of rats. I was like, oh, this is, like, the end of days, like, right here. I was oh like, holy God. shit, is this, like, a sign? I was like, I couldn't believe it. I parked at this gas station once in the 90s, back when you had to use payphones. So I pulled into the gas station, start pumping my gas, and I go over to use the payphone. And as I'm using the payphone, I'm watching rats jump on my wheel and crawl up into my car. Dude, and you drove that car? I had to. What am I going to oh, do? Oh, shit. I'm like, what the fuck do you do? That's brave. I felt like if I started up, they would jump out. <laughs> I well, mean, the like, what the fuck are they looking for? It's like they're looking for food or something. They're looking for a hole to get into the car and find food. It's like, Was it cold? No, no. Because they go under the engine, they say, under the engine block to right. warm up. They're really smart. You They're know? so smart. Have you seen that Joe, uh, the uh, Rats documentary on Netflix? No. Oh, my God. You have to see it. It's incredible. I'm always afraid they're going to swim up the toilet because that they happened can. one time, though. That but probably happened enough. one time. One werewolf. I'm staying out of the woods. <laughs> Fuck that, dude. <laughs> there was uh, the documentary. It shows uh, all the diseases that they carry. Like, there's, there's rats out there right now that have the plague. Yeah. They're they're around people. There's like they they caught some in Georgia and they did the, they ran some studies on. Them. They found all kinds of crazy diseases in these things. But you know, naked and afraid. You know those yes. guys. Those guys like they have the two guys. They have the hunter guy and then they have the other guy who's the scrounger. You know, he just the scavenger guy. And he would eat that. He would eat it. He'd figure out a way to like deplague it and like skin it and like just eat a eat rat. It. Yeah, he's awesome the way he does his stuff. You man. can eat a rat. You just have to cook it 
to like 167 degrees. That's right. kills trichinosis. That's the most dangerous one, but even that doesn't kill you. There's all sorts of other shit that could be carried in those things, though. Like someone um, ate uh, burbot liver and they got the bubonic plague. Oh. I think it was like a traditional dish in whatever country they're from, and they ate. Find that out. Eat burbot, burbot, b-u-r-b-o-t. It's like um, some weird mammal, and uh, they ate its liver. And got the plague. And they got the plague. Classic. Yeah, which is like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> like rats are around people all day long in numbers that are like they think that the physical size of the rat population. In terms of like their biological mass, their weight is the same as people. Wow, you mean all the people yes. to all the rats? All the people and all the rats. Marmot, yeah, marmot meat. He ate raw marmot meat. So a Mongolian couple died from bubonic plague in 2019. Wow, sparking a quarantine that trapped tourists for days. Yeah, see. So marmot is like a like a little gopher looking thing. Oh, okay, that's a different story. So yeah. they they ate this thing and they got the fucking plague. I think it was, wasn't it raw? In New York? Yeah, they oh, eat raw right. marmot meat. Yeah. Bro. In New York, they, uh, you know, the dog park? Yeah. There was a rat in the middle, and all the dogs, like, were trying to be dogs. Like, they're, like, trying to, like, attack them. But you could tell, like, they already had been too metro that they really didn't know what to do. Like, they were like, uh, my assistant will do this. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, we'll send this smaller dog in there to have do you this. Have seen uh, the video of the rat killing the pigeon? I love that one. Oh, that's a great one, isn't it? Oh man! They, I didn't know they hunted. Oh god! They're I just so assumed, good. I just assumed they killed things that were already dead. I didn't know they killed things too. Some people was... keep them as pets. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. That's an eye opener. This is great. So the thing about that rat too, when a rat is that fucking brazen, a lot of times that's a rat that has toxoplasmosis. Probably. Yeah. Oh, dude, most definitely. Look at him, outgunned, outnumbered. He's but still holding. He's bouncing around <laughs> in the middle, like he's not running to hide. Like, he's, he's kind of, like, hanging out in the middle. Could have been injured a little bit there, too. He could have been. This Lost is kind of like a peewee football where you want your dog to go in and make the kill. All those dogs <laughs> are going to the vet afterwards. They're getting multiple <laughs> yeah. shots. You guys fucked up. They're all New York dogs, too. They're like, oh, my God, I, I'm traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, they're going to have therapy. They're going to have so many shots. Like you, yeah, you, you, have, have, to. you have to get rabies shots. You have to get everything. I love when I went to your old house out in, uh, in L.A., right, the dogs you had, those big Big dogs. Which ones? The pit bulls. The ones was that it were the pit outside. Bulls or the um, or was it the um, the mastiff that I had? The, the mastiff. Yeah, yeah, the mastiff was a sweetie. He yeah. was the best. That was Johnny Cash. Man. He was so sweet. I love that dog. He was so sweet. Those dogs, man. The big dogs, when they get older, it's rough on them, man. It's, yeah. I used to have to carry him to take him to the bathroom. Like he would, he couldn't walk anymore. How 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 long did he? Uh... He lived to be thirteen, which that's, is that's old amazing, for a yeah. really big dog. That's but it's amazing. So sad, man. Yeah. You have them from the time they're a puppy, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're thirteen and they can't walk, and like you're just a little boy. Like you're you're my little buddy, and you're thirteen. So I used to. He was like 140 pounds. I used to have to carry him outside. Wow. I used to pick him up, take him outside to go to the bathroom. Yeah, but you gave him a great life, though. I mean, what an awesome setup you had for well, him. It was a good yard. He, yeah. was, he was a smart dog, too. He was the one, who, but he got honeypotted into killing uh, chickens by a coyote. <laughs> Ever tell you this story? No. He was he was really big, you know, so he was a very strong dog. And so, like, chicken wire that kept coyotes out, that didn't keep him out. He just didn't go in there because he didn't know that you can kill chickens. So one day... <laughs> 
<laughs> so one day, the pool guy had accidentally left the gate open that w- led to this other part where the pool is and where the chicken coop was. And so um, this fucking coyote was teaching him to be his friend. Oh. And the coyote was like, come to the fence, like, I'm your friend. And he was friendly. He was like, oh, you're my friend. He just thought it was a dog, right? Yeah. And then we had this chicken that was brooding. I don't know if you know what brooding is. but. No. When a chicken thinks that it has to raise an egg, even though the egg hasn't been fertilized, it's called brooding, they get kind of crazy, and they pick at their feathers, and then they sit on an egg, and they, they just insist that this egg, even though it's not fertilized, is going to become a chicken. So but the, it's a real egg there. It's a real egg. Okay. They lay an egg, but something goes bonkers in their brain, and they have to go through this whole cycle of when the chick would be born before they shake out of it, or you take them and you isolate them in a smaller pen. So I took them and I isolate them and you put them on this post where they have to stand up. And if they have to stand up, then they can't brood because they can't like sit on that thing. They put their feathers out and shit. It gets rough. So we had this one chicken that was separated. And so the coyote convinced Johnny to destroy the chicken coop. Uh huh. So I don't know how it did it, man. But all of a sudden, like he never did that before. But he just he's you know he just destroys this thing, Mm -hmm. just pulls it apart, and then. I'm with my kids and my wife, and we're playing some board game. And so we're sitting there in the living room, we're playing like Uno or some shit. And then I see this coyote leapfrog over the fence with a chicken in his mouth. It was amazing. Wow. It was so graceful. Like we had this like six foot high wrought iron fence. It just went like this, bing, to the top of the fence, boing, and then over it. Like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. And talk about like your dog to a coyote. Coyote weighs like what? 50 pounds? Maybe. Right? Not even that, yeah. I don't think. And it just carried that chicken like it was nothing. But he, it convinced my dog to smash open this thing. So then my pool guy fucks up again and leaves the gate open. So Johnny decides, I'm just going to go in the big chicken coop. So he just smashes a hole uh-huh. in the big chicken coop and goes on a massacre and kills <laughs> nine chickens. So I have to, I see it outside from like from my bathroom. I'm like, fuck! I run out there and I grab. I have to go through right. the hole that he created and I grab him and drag him out. Man, that must have activated something deep in the oh. back of his brain when he got that chicken blood in him. Mm, I'm getting hard. Well, the coyote just convinced him, like, why aren't you killing these chickens? He's like, why aren't I killing these chickens? Right. And then all of a sudden he's killing chickens. You know the big dog. So your dog is not the dog that they have like in the Russian prisons, right? That crazy. No. Well, I don't know what what's ones they use. But it's the wolf something, the wolfhound. Oh, I've seen whatever that, that is. That, that, that big the, crazy hairy thing. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, like it lives and it dies outside. It's like basically, you know, it's like an outdoor dog. Like right. you never bring it inside, and when they do, they bring it in. They shuffle the prisoners around, like they're just barking, you know, growling at them the whole time. But, that thing looks terrifying. Yeah, it looks like something from The Hobbit. It's it is like yeah, like you would see like a, a battle dwarf. Riding it, Aren't you know they that like kind of fucking two hundred pounds too. They're easily, huge. easily. What is that? That I don't know what it's. Is it? It's not Australian, right? No. No, it's Russian. Yeah, it's, it's a, a Russian, Russian. It's their dog. It's, it's like a, crazy a, big. You know, just Google Russian werewolf dog. It's the one they use in their like lo- supermax lockdowns. Jesus, you know, like in Stranger Things. But in New York, did the they case- have those in Stranger? No, they didn't. They had like German Shepherds. They probably can't use those things. Probably in can't New York, train them. In New York, it became really cool to have a big dog again, and I think that's cruel. I typed in Russian wolfhound. That's not it. No, <laughs> no, no. That no, dog, no, no, no. That dog try, you would only see like in an art gallery. Try Russian <laughs> werewolf dog. Try that. Let me see what Google It's like that. a wolfhound something. 
Yeah, it's it some, is intimidating. But, if you, but if, I think if you Google Russian werewolf dog, it I shows did. you what it is. Ouch. That. No, that's not it. Maybe the one to the right. Yeah, that. No. No. no Something like that. Either. Oh, no. yeah. No. No? That's not it. That's just like a, a giant ass, those things. Wow. Yeah, those are cool looking. Yeah. That looks like Elton John's sister. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. The, um, <laughs> did you see what fucking Biden said? Blame it on this guy. We're spending all the money on AIDS. Did you see that? <laughs> You see Biden's quote? It's so ridiculous. These are just wolves, I think. Yeah, not wolves. It's a it's a giant Russian wolf-like dog. Mm. I'm sorry I brought it God up. I thought it would be it. like an easy hit. No, that's a wolf bear. You're like a hybrid. <laughs> that's a Google giant Russian werewolf dog. All right, let's see this. It's like a big head dog. Yeah, it's crazy looking yeah. thing. Here it is. There. I found it right away. Well, I didn't have yes, on that's Wolf it. Killer, that's it. Caucasian Shepherd. That's it. Look at that. Look at the size Holy of that shit. thing. Wow. What the fuck, man? That, that does, that that's, that can't that's, be real. That's not real. That's that's CGI. <laughs> and that's a little. That might be fa fake. Yeah, that's too. a little fake. That's fake. But too. it's a big Look dog. Look at her arm. I don't like how her arm disappears yeah. in the hair. She's I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting. It's the same lady too. I think. I'm getting swindled. Yeah, Maybe. but that dog is a real dog. The yeah. ca Caucasian Shepherd. So Google that. Okay. Google Caucasian they Shepherd. They're amazing looking. Look at them in the snow. Mm. Yeah, that's it. That's that giant ass fucking wolf looking thing. Look at the size of that fucker. Yeah. How big are those bitches? Height 2.2 feet. 2.2 feet. Wow. That's not that big. I know. That's a cold weather dog. For this, sure. Is this the wrong dog? That's <laughs> what, that ain't the same dog. I think someone did a. What is that fucking other one though? There's one wild looking. 100 to 170. Pounds. Dog people are so mad right now. Because mm -hmm. it's a big ass dog. Yeah. Now that was the picture, but that yeah, girl was big. That, that's it. That does I not think, look like no? two feet. That thing looks no. fucking huge. Not two feet on the top, like from. Height. That's. But that's bigger than two feet, dude. 170 pounds max ish. Hmm. Look at that coat, man. Brian Callen would know. It's definitely. I'm gonna call him right now. Brian Callen knows about dogs. It's the um... call Brian Callen. <sighs> I have to get to the bottom of this, Jamie. Well, I'm sorry for slowing down the show, but I think we'll all be better people once we know. Hey, Brian Callen, you're you're live on my podcast. What you would know this? What is that giant, crazy, scary Russian dog that looks like a werewolf? I think that's a uh, um, um, Kovalovsk or something like that. It's a um, uh, damn it. Um, they're mountain dogs. They they're they're two hundred pounds, and they're there to keep the wolves at bay. Right. Uh, that's Kovalovsk, what we're talking about. Is it a, is it a Kovalovsk? It's something like that. It's not a it's Caucasian like mountain dog, right? Or a Caucasian mountain shepherd? That's a different they, thing. They, I like using this word in a sentence. They hail from that area. I oh think. wow! You look a scholar. Yes, I am. Yes, I am a scholar. But I have seen one uh, in person, and it's it's as close to a dog bear as you can get. It's like they bred a dog, a big dog, with a grizzly. That's wow. What it's like. it's and it crazy. has cra crazy fangs, right? Yeah, well, they fight them. So, so in the Caucasus region, in Afghanistan. I like how you say that. I like how you pronounce Afghanistan. In, in Afghanistan, they fight those dogs. In the Caucasus Mountains, they fight dogs. And and, uh, and th that area of the world, um, th those they use those giant mountain dogs and they pit them against each other. Anything, Jamie? See. I'm looking real hard. Caucus Mountains, yeah, giant yeah. fighting dog. Yep, yep. We'll yeah. find it. We'll find. All right, Brian. Love you.
Love you too, buddy. Bye. Wow, that was good Good work, Joe, man. We got it. I think we might have it. Yeah. Well, that's what the Caucasian shepherd does. That's it? That's, I mean, that's what the Caucasian. But it looks scarier than that. Mm. I've seen scarier ones. Either way, it's huge. It's a huge dog. You get a lot of dog for your money on that one. Boy, that subject fizzle out. No, I got I was more if you for want. A big ending. I was hoping we we're gonna find the picture that I know that I've seen before. That thing with giant fangs. No, you got to go to like uh, what is that lo- lockdown show where they show them like using them to like. like that's just... it. But that's the yeah, same. That's the Caucasian Shepherd. Okay, but that's same, yeah. that's the image that I've seen before. Like that one, and then there was another one down. If you just go back to the one you just saw, there was another one down there where his mouth open. Oh, they're they're fighting it yeah. up. That it. Like that's it. What is that? What the fuck is that? That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So we just looked at, like, really clean-looking, well-bred ones. Wow. Oh, that's it. Oh, my God. That's real. Beauty and the the Beast. Bro, that's the real dog. Yeah. What'd you say, Jamie? This lady is in all these thumbnails, so she's fucked up this thumbnail game. Yeah, but but that seems like it's not... Go back to that image of her next to the dog. That seems accurate. Mm. That seems like it's actually that big. That dog must eat. Oh my God! The yeah. shits that thing was oh, taking. Oh yeah, that's good a lot luck of work. if you got a regular backyard. Mm. You have hefty oh, they look, bags. They look cute shit. there. Look at that. That doesn't look. Oh, cute. that's a fun. Killing a wolf. Oh, man, that'd be a nice oil painting. It would be right yeah. on your bed. <laughs> Let ladies know what they're in for. <laughs> Kills wolves. Cool. Right, so now we know. There you go. It's a thing. So we just got a bad, uh, bad yeah. image search. It's all right though. I love that we uh, went through it, but I'll we tell you, we made the journey together. We did it. And, uh, you know, all I'm going to say is that it's a little too hot out here in Texas for that kind of a dog. Mm. You know, you'd have to give him so many. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm I got sorry. a golden retriever. And, and during the summer months, it's rough for him. Mm-hmm. But he loves swimming. So that's cool. Yeah, they're, they're like built for swimming. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even have to teach him how to swim. He just jumped in the water when he was a puppy. Really? Yeah. I'm like, like immediately. Oh, that's right. It's in there like DNA or something. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was like immediately he starts swimming. Nice. Yeah, he figured it out like right away. Just had to show him where the where the stairs were, and then he was good. Even the little ones like to take a dip. Yeah. I like that. You know, the thing about those dogs too is like it's interesting retrievers because they that um, teaching a dog to fetch and then bring it back. Some dogs don't want to bring it back. They're like, <laughs> hey, motherfucker, bring the ball yeah, back. Possessive retrievers immediately bring it back every time. Every you don't even time. have to teach them, huh? Never. The only time he stops is I know he has to take a shit. So oh. I go up, he paused. <laughs> he doesn't come back all the way. He's got to take a dump, and then he'll come run back over but those dogs are like designed for retrieving well you know being on the road i can't have a dog so i have to kind of live vicariously through you guys with your dogs how often are you on the road how many uh, days a week i'd say uh, i kind of stepped it up you know i got a lot of bills so i've been stepping it up and trying to do like at least two to three week weeks on the road like of you know full till four four days you know and uh every month yeah Wow. And, uh, you know, like we were talking earlier, like the comedy boom is there. There's definitely like like uh, Cap City added a show, Late Show on a Sunday. Who would do that? Oh, Why amazing. not? You know? Why not? And uh, yeah. everywhere I go, like, you know, it's like, oh, c- cool. We're close to sold. Let's add a show. You know, I'm like, Beautiful. I'm up for it. I'm already there. You know, why not? What else am I going to do? Boy, your machine gets greased when you're doing that many shows, too. Yeah. But towards the end of the week, it does become this whole, like, because <laughs> I know people are coming to see multiple shows, so I'm always trying to mix it up for them. And right, right. Sometimes that falls apart on me. It's like a fucking, you know. Yeah, but people that are coming to see multiple shows appreciate that, too, that you're out there I guess so. fucking around. And, yeah. You know, I mean, 
that's half the fun for for real comedy nerds is to watch a guy like start a bit and and then you see that where <laughs> that crash. bit comes in six months. <laughs> oh, mean, that's many, true. How many bits did you start out with? Well, they in the first couple times you did them, they're like, you know, like Ugh, I might have to abandon this one. You remember? Um, this is another like old school comedy thing, but Richard Jenny. Do you remember oh, him? Yeah. yeah, like he was always the guy who you know I like work with them. I used to watch him and I was always like, you know, nobody could crush like this guy did. And I've talked to the younger comics about it too. I got like this guy, like people, you know how always people leave going like, oh, my belly hurt. Like people basically were, it was like, it was like a smackdown. Like people like were leaving, like, you know, limping and stuff like that. Like oh, my body can't take any more laughter. He's that good. He would just basically get everything out of them. He was like the master of like milking a bit. Like he would yeah. find every angle on it. And I wish I had that skill set, like where you can go, like you take the topic and you like keep twisting it and twisting yes. it and twisting it and twisting it. Like Brian Regan's another guy who I think is a great, like he's amazing how he finds all these different angles and yes. like it's fluid, it's seamless, you know? Jenny not, was the best at it. Jenny was like, he really was exceptional at writing like a chunk of material, not just a joke. Like I'm a joke guy. He's like a chunk guy, you know? Any, a chunk on anything. Yeah, on everything actually. Cause that was back in the day. Some of it might be a little like, you know, corny, whatever now, but back in the day, all that stuff was solid and people couldn't get enough of it. And I remember like 10, 15 minutes on like spaghetti, you yeah. know, like something like that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, like buying shoes. That was like an hour and a half. He had a material. whole chunk on buying a Corvette. I'm like, how is that even relatable to people? And it was murderous. Yeah. A murderous chunk about going to a dealership and buying a Corvette. He was a good guy to watch live. You know, you really kind of got like what a headliner does, you know? I tell the story, and unfortunately, if you've heard it before, people, you're going to hear it again. Uh, one time we were at uh, Eastside Comedy Club, and I got there on, like, a Sunday. And the guy who was the host of uh, the show all weekend said Jenny did four different hours. Yeah. He did two different hours on Friday night and then two shows on Saturday night, totally different hours. And but they were all like, I want to quit comedy. <laughs> another thing about him is that his energy consistent all the way through. Like a lot of guys, like I'm, I'm that kind of guy where it's like, yeah, first 20 minutes, you're going to see like me, like I'm punching, you know, then, then it's a lot of grappling, just like holding, holding the guy. And I feel like him, for him, it was almost like, you're never going to wear me out. Right. You're going to get worn out before I even get tired, you know? Right. So I respect that too. Like, no, he was, uh, he was a special comic that I don't think gets his due. I, I kind of, I was always a giant fan of his, but then one day I was coming home from the Irvine Improv, and you know how sometimes your uh, Bluetooth on your phone just randomly syncs up and plays a track that's on your phone? Uh -huh. It played this Jenny bit, and I was like, oh my God, that is so funny. I forgot how funny it was. And then uh, I downloaded the whole album, and I just listened to it while I was driving. So that was the beautiful thing about like uh, those available. Yeah, right. On uh, Apple Music, I just went and got it, drink, uh -huh. downloaded it, and now I was listening to it on the way home. Well, that's that's a perfect score because there's no better place to listen to comedy than when you're driving alone. I feel like that's yeah. that's where it is like it is your thing. You yeah, know, if what you're saying? listening to comedy, that's like the best a long way. drive, and you get to listen to some like really tasty clips. Yes, mm -hmm. it's fun, and especially if you're on your way to a gig, it puts you in a good mood. You get to the airport laughing. Yeah. You know? Well, it, uh, the whole idea of the album now is so different than it was back in the day of, like, you know, 
this is my album because yeah. I saw it at the show and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, physical I mean, copies of things. I still feel like that's the best way, even though like that's what I grew up on, like listening to Carlin, you know. Well, and all Skanks that for the Memories was a masterpiece. I don't. Skanks I, for the Memories is a, a all-time classic comedy album. I know you fucking hate compliments. No, but I, I, I really don't. Wouldn't even put it in. It's like very funny. A lot of people come up to me and ask me about it and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I do know that like I haven't put out a lot of stuff. But that was one of the things that definitely did click with the comedy audience and it was fun. you guys have always been pretty cool with me about that too but do you feel like um vinyl is like the future or the past or because there's a lot of vinyl talk out there well the vinyl talk is fun because it's like someone who's an actual enthusiast who wants to sit down with a physical copy of something mm -hmm. and it's so much better than owning a cd right because if they're both obsolete which they kind of are yeah the thing about vinyl over a cd is you get a dope cover that yeah. was always a thing, like Kiss yes. Alive 2, you know, whenever they're on the cover, like, fucking, yeah. You remember that? Double platinum was all silver. This is wild. Pictures inside. You would roll joints using the album. That's how people would roll joints. When I would go to Tower Records, you know, and, like, uh, they would have, like, the comedy section. It was always, like, the Steve Martin. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Richard Pryor, of course. Yeah. But then there was, like... All the weirds of Doctor Demento and yes. all those like you're like looking at these things like looking around see if everybody's looking at you you know. I went to a gas stop once and I got these cassettes that were old Richard Pryor cassettes uh -huh. from Red Fox's Comedy Club in Los Angeles. It was like someone just set up a microphone and started recording, and Richard Pryor was like fucking around. He was creating new bits. He was talking shit. He was drinking. You could hear like the clinking of the ice cubes wow. in the glass. Dude, it was amazing. And that's a cassette, right? Cassette. And it was Man. like a series of them. There was like a few that you could get. That's so yeah. awesome, dude. You, they would. They, I think some guy sued somebody. I think DePaulo was involved in this. I like think a he bootleg. Sued him. Yeah, someone was like selling their shit at gas station. They're like, they're like, why is my fucking shit for sale here? Like, who's doing this? Well, it was like someone <laughs> someone had cut a deal. Right. I don't think it was a bootleg. I think someone had cut a sneaky deal. And well, not let the comics in on it? When you go to a truck stop and, like, you know, you, you see their <clears throat> CDs and DVDs, and it's, like, always Larry the Cable Guy. You know, they have all of his stuff. Oh, and I was course. always like, Larry, you know, no one else has tapped this market. You're the only guy here. Honestly, dude, congratulations. I was, like, I was like impressed that, like, this is, like, of all the things that they have here, you know, they got, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they got a little cooler. They got all these different things that combined. It's, like, they definitely need some tapes as they're rolling, you know, rolling through... Uh, down the road, so Larry the Cable Guy is a good dude. He is, and, and he's a merch king of merch. I always like <laughs> respected his merch, man. He's always been a cool guy, but like the merch, man, I was like, how do you do it? But I, I met him when he was uh, Dan Whitney. Dan, yes. You know when he was. Uh, he put the work in too. Yeah, he was just starting to become Larry the Cable Guy. He just was doing that radio show down yep. in Florida, and he would do that character, Larry the Cable Guy. And he would do the. Um, Call into all the morning radios, and they have to do this. And I was like, "Man, this is tough." It's like six in the morning. And he's calling yeah. in, you know. But he's always been a cool dude. I met him in like 1993 or some shit in mm -hmm. Montreal, and nobody knew who he was back then. Just a normal guy. Yeah, he was a very normal guy. That's where I met Stanhope. <sighs> Stanhope and I, we had known each other, but that's like Montreal. Like we really bound, you know. Uh, Bind, uh, whatever, together. And like, uh, I consider Doug still like one of the best uh, comics. He's one of ever. the best ever. There's he's, no one like him. He's one of my favorite people alive. And, I, uh, you know, I love him to death. Doug is like the real deal. Like, it, you know, all the good. Yeah, he's and great. All the, all the amazing of like, you know, like a guy who doesn't give a shit. You he's know? free. 
He is. He's that's that's a great way to put it. Genuinely free. Yeah. He's not pretending to be free. He's free. Yeah. You know, and he's he's just a great guy. And you know, when I had met Doug for the first time, I'd heard of Doug before I met him. He was yeah. friends with Joey, so okay. that's how I met him. Uh, I think I met him at. <sighs> so there was like a, a little show that they used to do on Sunset down the street from Dublin's. It wasn't even Dublin's. It was yeah. the one down the street from Dublin's. I met him there. Like an open mic or? No, it was like a show they would do. I mean, it wasn't necessarily an open mic because everybody was on and was a professional. Uh-huh. But it was like a pop-in show. Right. You know, sort of how Dublin's was. Remember when Dublin's was a pop-in show? See, I never really were, it was in L.A., like on that scene of like, but I always heard that that's like the cool show. That's where like where the where like you know the um, you know if you just want to like fuck around, that's a cool show. Dublin's was a fun show. That was a fun show. D- Dublin's was kind of what launched Dane Cook. He, he was, right. Yeah, he was killing it at Dublin's before he was killing it everywhere else. And then it was like uh, they had Dublin's. They had that other club that was down the street from Dublin's. It didn't last as long. And then they they had Sal's Comedy Hole. Remember Sal's Comedy Hole? I remember, Hole? yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was a good spot. There's a, a bunch of like little fuck around good spots. Would you ever do that Hermosa Beach Room? I love that room. The Comedy yeah. Magic Club. I love that room. That's like a museum to comedy. Yeah. I hope it. I hope they you know continues right because yeah, that was yeah. like that's where Lena would work out his material. That's where Gary Shandling would yeah. go. You know all the big uh, Tosh would come by. Yeah, and uh, I remember he always wanted to clean. You know that was like the thing of like you know I'm trying to keep it clean here. Yeah, know? but he let me go up. Yeah, I went up too. He didn't really care. <laughs> he let me go up. He he um he had a problem with Joey Diaz though. Sure. Well, you but know. it wasn't. It was just like his regulars. He was like, my regulars just can't handle it. Mm. You yeah, know. it's that beach culture, and that's not the, always the funniest crowd. You know, I'm talking about like when you live near such a like, you know, you got a beautiful sunset. You don't really need as many laughs. It's when you live near like a tire fire, you know. Right. Well, they're wealthy people too. Hermosa yeah. Beach is a wealthy community. It's like, but so is um, La Jolla, and that club's pretty wild. The La Jolla, La Jolla Comedy Store. That's a fun place. I that's also a like fun Irvine. Spot. Irvine's fucking great. Yeah, I love Irvine. Mm-hmm. That improv's amazing. I did that recently. I did that with Monty Franklin like uh, a few months back. I did it with Shane Gillis too. Shane's awesome. Oh dude. my god, yeah. dude! That uh, doing shows at the Improv was one of the first times that I got to see Shane's set because I he killed at the Vulcan, but we were in the green room and it was packed and you couldn't hear. We there, you know, there's a monitor in there and you can listen, but there was so many people were talking. We were all having fun. I didn't get a chance to see his sets, but then getting to work with him in Irvine, I got to see his whole set. God damn, he's funny. He's good. He's so funny. Yeah, I like, you know, like he's in the, he is like in, I see him in the city, so I only get to see small tastes of him, but it's always interesting stuff. The guy never panders to anybody. No. I mean, like, you know, he knows what he wants to do and he does it. So It's just great writing, too. He has mm-hmm. this new bit about going to the George Washington Museum. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's so funny, dude. There's so many, um, you know, like, I, I really never get, I always go on so late. So, like, uh, you know, the people who go on earlier, like, I never really get to see them. But when I do, I'm always like, you know, whoa. Dude, do you like that? Come? Do you like going on late? Uh, I, I like it for different reasons than people think. It's like, I like it because I don't want to um, screw up the show for anybody who has to follow me in case I do something nuts or crazy, you know, like, <laughs> like what? Case, you know, in case I like trash, you know, trash the room, you know? So I was always like, there's that. I don't like bumping anybody. I don't like, you know, I think uh, in comedy there's a lot of bumping going on, and like I totally understand. Like, is that you know, still going on? Well, I think that's like a big name comes in and they want to do some material that's cool. But like a lot of these uh, um, uh, young comics, you know, like 
they're waiting around, like you know, uh, to go on. It's like I know, I didn't, I hate being the guy who like puts them back. So yeah, that's there's not my that, thing. There's that, and then it's also I think later um, I I feel like I'm more into the um, you know in the zone of it. You know, like I've done everything I, I had to do. Now I can just do my you know. What time do you fun. like to go up? Uh, in the city, I'd say like one in the morning. You know, really? That's your, that's your general <laughs> one to sets? two. Yeah, that's the first set of the day is one a.m. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, like sometimes I'll bounce before that, but usually it's like during the week, like on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. It's probably like twelve fifty, one in the morning. You know? Wow. And yeah. then how many will you do um, of that night? Yeah, that would be just like for the like just one, like a taste. But then on the weekend, I'll do like two or three, and late, you know. So like, you just from like, like to do like one show a night, fuck around. Just only if I have new stuff. We, Otherwise, I feel really bad about like taking the stage time. Like only if I got like something new to say. But I'll go on every night. But I'll force myself to do even if it's like telling a joke different. I got to get up there and try it. So you it's know. amazing your uh, this humility that you have like, about that about stage time. It's because like every club would die to have you go up. Joe, I Every can't audience live a- would love to see it. Like this is what's crazy. It's like you're one of the best comics alive, and you have this attitude like you're I don't know about a that. middle act that's uh, that doesn't want to fuck up the show for anybody. I will say one thing, like you know, when you go on the road and you go on early, and it's like you know, you're like, whoa, these people are, you know, they're they're not as like it's harder going on late. I like yeah. the challenge, okay, especially since I'm old now and there's all these young people hitting with their killer 20 so i like to see if i can still like bring it you know right. i guess that's kind of ego but the uh when you go on early then you're like wow this is a different type of tight you know i'm yeah. ouch you know and sometimes i'll go on early just to mix it up but i feel late is where my stuff works best you well know? you know it's like it's like you're rucking you're out there hiking the hills with weights on your back <laughs> oh you think yeah yeah, I'm yeah, training. yeah and then it goes to like regular workouts you're like flying through it like I, a regular show I yeah I I'd say that like you know the seller especially is built late like mm-hmm. it feels better late than it does early but you know the crowds there you get a lot of different like I guess you got that in LA too where it's like you got euros you got locals you got yeah. people who you know I guess domestic tourists you know people coming all the way in from Arkansas so you know you get like kind of like a a, a buffet of audience yeah and you get to see like where it hits where it doesn't and all that kind of stuff so there's good to that but at the end of the day like I always leave like you know what was that about I can't believe they didn't get that you know comedy becomes a destination right well that's what's gonna happen with your club man i mean honestly i bet you it's already sold out we don't have any tickets available yet it doesn't matter i i I can only imagine that first opening week it's gonna gonna be be nuts it's gonna be nuts man it'll be fun it's good it's exciting to be able to do something from the ground up you know Mm -hmm. and to have a community that's already here because we've been doing so many shows already here yeah that we you know we've been having a lot of fun like for the last two years and will you like uh you know well you got to be there like the opening for, yeah for sure, sure yeah, yeah we're gonna be, be there. there and it's it's definitely gonna be um i want you to come too it's gonna make the news buddy it's oh, gonna make no. the news yeah not the news <laughs> this is gonna be like one of those like you know opening a club anyhow is so people don't get it it's not like a guarantee it's not like saying like you know i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw into uh you know whatever like uh you know uh, any kind of like it's not just a bar, you know. There's more to it, and it's difficult, and it's really hard. Yeah, it's complicated, you know. So I give just you credit. Hire good people. Well, Adam's stay awesome. the fuck out of the way. Yeah, yeah and um, you know, it's like being lucky enough to have guys like I, I want to show it to you after we get out of here. Okay, and I want to show it. I showed it to Louie, and he had some great notes, and we we took his notes and uh, we added all those things that he suggested. Sure. 
And uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to be able to do it the right way. You know, do it in a way where it's coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. Just, just trying to make a great comedy club. You know, the fact that you told me there's like an area for the comics to hang, like yeah. that's, not every comic club has that. I mean, back in the day, you know this, where it's like, uh, is there a green room? And they're like, yeah, we're going to pull this curtain <laughs> and you could, it's where yeah. we keep the extra chairs. So, you know, relax. You got to have a place to fuck around and talk to each other before the show yeah. and get loose and laugh. And yeah. you got to have a place to go over your notes. Mm-hmm. You got to have all those things. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey, thanks for doing it. And My thanks, pleasure. <laughs> thanks for... <laughs> Thanks for sticking with it, because the one thing I do respect the most is follow through. I mean, like we all have great ideas. Few people actually make them, you know, reality. So, congrats. yeah, I'm a big fan of follow through. Super important. And that feeling that you get when you're like, shit, why am I doing this? Like, oh, my God, that's you're alive. Yay. Yeah. You're doing something exciting. It's supposed to be risky. It's supposed to be weird. That's like part of the fun. You can't always want to be comfortable. Everybody wants to be fucking comfortable all the time. And I think that uh, doing something like this is like the best way to do it. It's like no pressure on it. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's only fun. We're doing it the right way, building it the right way. We've got awesome people. Yeah. It's exciting. I think it's it's also the timing of it. It's going to be perfect, you know. Well, you know, comedy is now separated from the mass media of Hollywood. It used to be that there was all these gatekeepers that got to tell you whether or not you were good or got to tell you whether or not you were accepted by this or accepted by that. And I, really, the, the only gatekeeper should be the audience. It yeah. should be like, do people like your stuff? Are you funny? Are you killing it? Do you get the respect of your peers? You know, and if that's the case then those are the people that are going to support you now. So you're supported by all these podcast people like Gillis and Norman and Ari and, you know, and there's Segura and there's all these, and Tony, and there's all these, this fucking giant unity yeah. of this community of, uh, of podcasters and Bert. And, I never and saw people. any of that coming. Bert especially, he's another guy like you. It's just like you guys are good to all of us and you're good for all of us. He's so. a good person. He's a genuinely good person. Like Bert likes to party. That's what he likes. He likes everybody to have a good time. The reason why he likes to party is he likes to be have fun and to be in a you know, good headspace and enjoy life. He's another guy. He really he really does make the most of it. Yes, I appreciate he's that. He's love he works hard. He does. You know, he parties hard, but that motherfucker works his ass off. His schedule's preposterous and he's always doing a bunch of other shit and now he's doing something's burning again. I was oh, actually right. just talking to Brian Simpson and he was on his way over to film a new episode of Something's Burning, that cooking show that he had. I did that with Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. he uh I did like a couple of dates on his uh tour. He was doing, I guess, a small outdoor tour. And then we hitting all these, like, uh, I guess you could say, like, you know, ball fields and, like, a small venue, outdoor yeah. kind of thing. It was a lot of fun. And it was also, you know, I never really worked with him like that. And he was so, like, I go, hey, can I do this? You know, I didn't want to step on him because he has to close after, like, you know how it is mm-hmm. after, like, five acts. You know, right. everybody's, like, you know, up there going blowing the light and he still has to close so I was right. like I don't want to step on him you know and he he's like do whatever you want to do his crowd was super cool and uh you know it's just funny to see a guy like him like own the stage like it's yeah. outdoors he's got no shirt on it's a half full <laughs> ball field you know it's like it's like this looks right I don't know why but it looks right it's perfect and it's his idea just like it was his idea to do the drive-in movie shows with I, cars that was his idea too I only did, how many of those did you do? I didn't do any of them. Oh, my God. I did did two of them. And uh, I I brought, you know, Jay Okerson, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Great friend of mine. So we did one in D.C., and I said, this is like, uh, (laughs) 
You know, Red Dawn, like the re-education camp. You know, that scene where it's like, boys, avenge me. Like, I felt like we were like, we were playing like to a crowd that like, they just wanted us to get done. And then we would give them bottles of water. You know, here's your supplies. You know, it was really like apocalyptic. It was really cool. That was the early days. Yeah. People were scared to be around people. But that was funny. I was like, I, hey, I'm just glad I got it. And yeah. my opener who went on, I was like laughing, like, look at this guy. Oh, my God, look at him chewing up there. And then it was my turn, and I was like, oh, no, now I'm in the blender. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, my God, I apologize. I screamed to him, I apologize. That's hilarious. Were people honking for laughs? Honking. They would. Um, they were uh, tailgating, and I, you know, wow. uh, I always say like a pop the hood. You know, like that's like a stand to go. You know, yeah. when you let the hood up. You know, but still, it was just like it's cool. Only comedy would do that. Like every other form of entertainment, it's like oh, it's not like it's not safe yet. Blah 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 blah. We're out there, you know, doing it. So. Well, they're all connected to the music industry. Like they had to have like real strict regulations on some of the places. Yeah, some of those uh, people. They're all insured and shit. There's a lot going on there that's not going on with a comic. Just what all you need is a microphone and someone willing to sit in their car and listen to jokes. But it's so funny when you're on that stage and like you know there's all these headlights and you hear that generator just going behind <laughs> you. You're like this is not good. This is like a it's like a FEMA camp right here. <laughs> But we're so hungry for comedy that we'll do it anyway. Yeah, the people came, you know, give it to them. Give it up for them. We did, uh, I was very fortunate to do those shows with uh, Chappelle at Stubbs during yeah. the pandemic. So we did that on a regular basis. That was amazing what he put together like that. Oh my God. I mean, really. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. Look Test out. everybody. Test everybody. Even if you lose money, who cares? Let's do comedy. That was that was so awesome that he did that, and I and I knew people like I would run into comedy fans. They go, I drove six hours to to see this, twelve hours to go see this show, yeah. and like you know, I really needed it. And that was uh, really honestly uh, tip of the hat to Dave, you know, for putting that all together. You know? Yeah, well, it was genius when he first started it in uh, Ohio. He mm -hmm. did it at the outdoor wedding chapel. He did it there. Genius. Yeah. And then he takes it from the cornfields and says, let's just bring it to Austin for a while. So we did a shitload of shows in Austin, man. That was fun. And was outdoor fun. comedy is not that... It's it's hard. It's, it's really hard to be outdoors and doing comedy. It really doesn't fit that well. But the people know? were so enthusiastic. Yeah. They were so happy to just be out. Mm -hmm. You know? And it was cold some nights. Some nights we'd go on stage with coats on, like winter coats. It was like 35 degrees outside. <laughs> but outdoor during the day, that's like, oh, man. Death. Yeah, that's just that's forget death. about it. <laughs> forget <death>. about it. <laughs> At least at night they're drunk and it's dark and they feel like a little bit... You know, yeah. it's people like to be in the dark when they laugh. They don't want to be in a brightly lit room and laugh. They're too self-conscious. Yeah, I guess the only like place I need to do comedy now would be on a cruise ship. I've never done that. Have you done that? No. Yeah. I feel I feel like I got some time. Like I'm almost there but not there yet. The cruise ship years. The cruise ship, if you're into cruise ships, I would imagine that would be a good time. I know um Alonzo Bowden does like jazz cruises. Yeah. You know, Alonzo's like a jazz fanatic. So oh, that's do, cool. Like, jazz shows and shit. I, just, I would imagine if you were doing something like that. Like, I know that those guys, um, the uh, the prank show. Yes. Uh, I know you're talking about the, uh, the guys. Uh, Impractical Jokers. They have a mega cruise. They have I know a thing. that. Yeah. And they do comedy on those, thing, those things, too. I mean, it's not like I'm dying to do it, but I figure eventually, you know, that's kind of where comedy always leads right. to the ocean. You the know, ocean. It's, it comes down, <laughs> leads to the ocean. <laughs> Once you get banned Reverse. from the country, yeah. you have to you go know? into international waters and talk shit. But uh, it would be like, you know, my always fear was like, people are like, well, why didn't you do it? I go, well, I don't know, just being. You know, like, what if you bomb and then you're trapped with those people for two days and three nights? You Oof. know, like, 
Oof. Yeah, it'll be tough, you know. Oof. got to stay in your cabin. Not only that, <laughs> if they're mad at you, you can throw you off. Yeah. Throw I you mean, off the boat. <laughs> a lot of things happen on those boats. Damn you know? it. But There's I, always like a husband and a wife that get in a fight. Yeah, only one comes back. Only one comes back. Yeah. <laughs> it's generally the husband that comes back. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know. She was a strong swimmer. I don't know what happened. Keep looking. Can you imagine going out that way, getting dropped off a cruise ship in the middle of the fucking ocean? Like, holy That's the scariest. Fuck, scary way to die. You see it slowly going away. And they'll you. never find you. Oh, yeah. Oh, they'll terrible. never find you. Man, this is grim. It's a grim one. Yeah. Yeah, the ocean is so strange, man, because it's just, most of it's nothing. Most of it's not even sharks. Most of it's empty. Yeah. It's the, only like like within the few hundred miles of the coasts everywhere that there's really all the life. That's why that, you know anything about the sea turtle? Do you know anything yeah. about it? I know it's a big animal heavy show today, I but love animals. the sea turtle, <laughs> like they have like a really horrible life, you know? It's not a good life. Like they're like swimming around like in the middle of the ocean, like the dead zone they call it, like just swimming around like, oh, there's a twig over there. Let's let's go over there for a minute. Like that's like the highlight of their, you know, week. But it's just like swimming around, nothing going it, it on. It sucks. And you know what the worst is? The moment they're hatched, it's like oh, every yeah. day is Normandy. Every oh, day yeah. is storming the beach. Most of them are going to die. Yeah. So they're making their way to the ocean. They're getting stolen out by crabs. You ever see a crab take a fucking turtle? No. Baby crab, which is smaller than the baby turtle, picks really? up this baby turtle and walks away with it. Wow. It's like pulling the baby turtle away. See if you can find that. Crab murders baby turtle. Or crab uh, attacks baby turtle. It's wild. It picks it up and carries it away. I've only seen the the uh, birds really enjoy. Birds it. Yeah, they go. Up. They get them at. Birds fucked them up, but crabs steal them. Look, oh, oh, look at oh. this shit. Oh god, they just drag terrible. them away. Grab them, pinch them by their head, and drag them away. Oh my god, look terrible. at that. Crabs are monsters, wow. dude. Look, look at, at that. Look, he's just eating it alive. We're really pulling off chunks of it and eating it, and drags it into its oh, hole. Man, motherfuckers! Crabs scare the shit out. We're of We're really lucky they're smaller than us. You know? that's like the only reason why they're alive. I mean, at one point in time, they had to be bigger than us. We killed them off. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine like fucking what's that? Uh, what's the fucking uh, Starship Troopers? Giant oh, yeah. bugs? Yes. I imagine that stuff all the time because I was oh. watching that like um, you know the day the dinosaurs died. This is yeah. like the kind of guy I am with these documentaries, and it's like you know whatever everything was gigantic, you know. And then the asteroid came and kind of reset the whole like you know order of the yeah. who's going to be who. And I was like, man, can you imagine just like walking around and it's just like everything is like towering over you and your food to everything is like oh man, this would be crazy. But they never figured anything out, which is really fascinating with the asteroid. No, no, no. I mean, like, dinosaurs. They never got super intelligent like people. True. That's the real question is, like, what was the thing that made the primates become a human being? Because if you look at what happened to dinosaurs, they just stayed dinosaurs. They got effective at staying alive, and then there was no reason to improve. I mean, I don't understand natural selection. This is just me talking. I but, agree with that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like they yeah. never... We, as far as we know, they never built structures. They never developed cell phones. <laughs> like they, as far as we know, we haven't found know. that yet. <laughs> Imagine we found out they were really smart. A paleontologist been, been is like <laughs> they had computers and everything. But when I was a kid, when we would go like the Natural History Museum and we see the big dinosaur and everything, yeah. like I, I was into that. But then I hit that age where I was like, boring. I don't care about dinosaurs. <laughs> I care about robots. Let's see some robots. Right. Where's your fucking? And robot? then when you go back and like now I'm like an adult. You know I'm like oh yeah I kind of see what they're talking about yeah because he's got the vertebrae. 
spray and the, you know so I guess you get smarter when you get older. You have more time to think about stuff. But yeah, I brought my kids to the museum in New York a, a few years back. They didn't give a fuck about those dinosaurs. They're just too. There's too much stimulus for them yeah. now. Like to do they're it. like, oh yeah, big, even, big thing. Even DC, you ever go to all those like great museums? Mm-hmm. You know, like all these amazing museums, and it's like after an hour, you're like, okay, well, you know, I got it. I'm the gonna... Vatican was the wildest one for me. Have no you been way. To that? No, it's wild. In in uh, Vatican City? Yeah, in in Rome. Oh, tell me, tell me about it. I'm it's, into that. Uh, it's billions of dollars in art. It's bananas how much art there is. Wow. You're you're walking through. They give you this guided tour, and you're walking through all this incredible art from a thousand years ago, fifteen hundred years ago, twelve hundred years ago. There's a fucking Egyptian obelisk in the center of this like town court area. Really? Where the Vatican is? It's a giant Egyptian obelisk. Like, how did you get this here? How did, it, it how did they do that? Egypt? Is it like a club? Do they wand you? Like when you go in, like is it like that kind of a scene? No, you have to, I mean, it's a tourist trap, right? So everybody goes to the Vatican. They have all these tours yeah. to the Vatican. And they just guide you through the Vatican. You get to look at all this artwork. It's wild. It's a sovereign, it's a sovereign nation within yeah. the within whole Rome. Thing. They can make their own laws. They got their own money, whatever they got. You can't extradite people. Really? Yeah. Oh, sanctuary. So you, get, you get in trouble, wink, wink, you know. You head like over sometimes there. Sometimes you've heard priests get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. They stick them over there and they hide them. And then you, you can't go anywhere. And they can't take you out of there. But do, it's a great place to live. Do they have all like pictures of the popes? <laughs> like, you know, basically like I'm the sure Hall they of do. Popes? I didn't see it all. But one thing they did have in the center of the this area is this huge pine cone. That's how me and this guy bonded. He's like, uh, do you know the significance of the pine cone? I said, the pineal gland, right? And he's like, yes. Wow. And he was like, oh, he got into it. Because I go, so this is like a psychedelic drug reference. He goes, yes. He goes, it's probably what it was. Really? They're not exactly sure, but there's some significance to this gland that they thought at one point in time was like the seed of the soul. And that this gland is like the third eye. Uh-huh. And it's on, on reptiles, it actually has a, a retina or a lens. Like it's, a, it's actually a, an eye, it's like placed where the third eye would be in Eastern mysticism. And so that gland is always thought to have these magical properties. Do you think they use like uh, hallucinogenic uh, yes. psychotic drugs during their Fuck ceremonies? Yeah. I think they did. I think they did. I think they did. And that's uh, the subject of a book called um, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. This guy, John Marco Allegro, who was hired to decipher the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. And this was like a project that took like 14 years. And they were like looking at this, the oldest version of the Bible. And at the end of this, this guy was like an ordained minister, but he became agnostic as he's studying theology and he found the similarities in all these different stories. And he came up with this theory and he wrote this book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross that the entire Christian religion was really about the consumption of psychedelic mushrooms and fertility rituals. Really? And that all these stories had to do, they were all like ways they hid these ancient ways. So if they got like raided by the Romans and like they, if you imagine if some people lived, you know, 3,000, 4,000 years ago and they found a bunch of mushrooms and they started yeah. eating them and tripping balls and have all these revelations where they're all going to come together and be together as one, be loving. And, and they wrote down all these ideas and these stories and they, first of all, passed them down orally before they even figured out how to write things for like a thousand years. True. And then they started writing them down. Like that sounds like what the story would be. Mm-hmm. And he traced back the word Jesus to an ancient Sumerian word that means a mushroom covered in God's semen. No way. Yes. This really? Is, see, it's hard for me to know who's right and who's wrong, right? Because if you 
wanted to break that down, you'd have to have this like very complex understanding of these ancient languages, and uh, there's no amazing. way I can know if he's right. I didn't even know mushrooms were like. I thought it was like a regional thing. You no, know, I thought it was well, like all over the North world. America, Europe. I didn't know it was like everywhere. I didn't know that. Well, they're definitely all over the world, okay. and there's psychedelic compounds that are all over the world. There's certain places where they haven't found use of psychedelic compounds where mm -hmm. there's not like a extended history of use. But there's stuff like the ayahuasca and the Amazon, thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. I think mushrooms in Mexico. I think that we do it, of course, like for the party of it. Like yeah. very few people do it for like this enlightening thing. But back in the day, it was like a like for tea. Like they would make it into a tea, yeah. and that became like like let's say you were sick or like like you said you were heading on a vision or something like that. But like the way we do any kind of drug now is, is really not how it was done or why it was done back then. I know well, you that. You know what happened? They poured water on all that shit in the 60s. The 60s and the 70s. Uh -huh. When they made all psychedelic drugs illegal in, I think it was 1970, right. the Sweeping Psychedelics Act, they put everybody in jail. They started raiding people. They like they clamped down on people. Mm -hmm. And marijuana arrests, all that. You'd go to jail in some places for the rest of your life if you got cut selling sure. marijuana. Sure. So it was a scary-ass time, and they they put the kibosh on what drugs were mm. because before then for like most of history people have used all kinds of drugs for they've sure. used opium they've, they've used uh you know cannabis they've used mushrooms and in different cultures they're a part of rituals that they would do and this guy brian murarescu who uh they actually opened up a field of study at harvard about this particular subject because of his work he found that the ancient uh greeks that what they were doing when they had these uh, these like enlightenment ceremonies, they all get together and talk. And what was it called? Lucidian mysteries. Yeah. Yes, that's how you say it. They found that they had uh, psychedelic compounds in all their wine. Oh, really? So when they were drinking wine, they were talking about wine. Their wine had like drugs in it. Really? So they were tripping balls while so they were drinking wine. No idea. I knew that wine was like pretty much the only safe drink, you know, because I've been right, right. I right. love those documentaries, like you know, that was the only like uh, type of water that they would drink because everything else was like you know people bathed in it, they uh, you know the animals at you know whatever in it, so that that wine was really the way because everybody's like oh they were drunk all the time. It's like no, that they were just trying to be safe, you know. Yeah, well then that's how they figured out how to be safe. They would drink beer. Mm. They would drink beer and wine. Yeah, but these guys were just. What Mero Rescue is saying is that, like, in these ceremonies, when they're talking about wine, all their wine they mixed with stuff. They mixed with different herbs and spices, mm -hmm. and they would also mix with psychedelics, and they mixed with ergot. So they're mixing their wine with this stuff that is a, it's a compound that causes psychedelic visions. Uh -huh. It's very similar to LSD. So they, were at, they found this stuff in these wine vessels. So now they have, like, definitive proof that these people are doing this. So now they're going over all these fables and stories and all these different ways. Oh, I yeah, mean, This is how I get they it. figured out democracy. I mean, democracy came from these, these conversations. Uh, I totally get that now. They were but, tripping balls. But LSD, that's all man-made, right? Well, that's, LSD But there is, was a na natural equivalent, yes, a version yes, of there's, it. There's natural compounds uh -huh. like ergot. Let's see, what's the difference between ergot and LSD? Ergot can kill you too, though. I don't one, know what... one of the things it does is um, it gets on rye, and when there's uh, frosts, 
and um, uh, the rye uh, gets like an early frost, and then when it comes back from the frost, a lot of times it's poisoned by ergot if in places where that stuff exists. Mm-hmm. And that shit is responsible for the 1950s. There was like ergot poisoning in this like farm or this town in France where they had a similar thing, and people started having visions of hell, and they, th- they thought they were dying. They were all tripping balls, and some of them did die from the poisoning of it. Ergot. Ergot does not contain lysergic acid diethylamide, but instead contains lysergic acid as well as its precursor, ergotamine. So lysergic acid is a precursor for the synthesis of LSD. So it has some sort of LSD-like um, thing. It says, thankfully, LSD hallucinations are very different from the fiery visions of poor ergot victims. Wow, has somebody done that? Like, well, they, they, anybody these people, modern, like anybody recently? Did, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't I, know. It seems dangerous. Uh, yeah. Because a bunch of people, it's poison. See, ergot, a look at LSD's poisonous precursor. So it, it the people, Google... 1950s um, farm France visions of hell so they they um, got ergot poisoning and people started seeing like demons and hellfire and a bunch of people died it, it was real bad it was Amazing. real bad where people were poisoned by it worse than coronavirus this mysterious illness drove many to hell in the 1950s in the 1950s, people who suffered from the illness most likely ate bread made with contaminated rye flour. Most of the victims in France hallucinated visions of <laughs> hell. The hallucinations were also thought to be witchcraft, and 20 people were hanged. Of course. Holy yep. fuck, man. Yeah, there you go. Some of them had tried to throw themselves out of their windows to stop the imagination. Almost 300 people in the region were taken to hospitals, and five died, and 60 people ended up in psychiatric wards. But the suffering did not stop easily for many, as some of the affected people again started to hallucinate the visions of hell almost a month later. So it was the rye. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it killed some of them. So while many medical experts and historians claim that such mental Ill, uh, health issues could have occurred due to rye ergot fungus, a parasite that latches onto rye crops and also wheat, barley, oats, and wild grains, in today's world, this mysterious ill still sparks debate in the medical world. But it makes sense if they could do a core sample, if they could do some sort of sample and find ergot or find that there was uh, at least evidence of the environment where ergot could grow well what a cool name hellfire so that's also responsible for the uh, they think the salem witch trials yeah he said that, yeah. same sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah which is pretty crazy but these... it's cool to look at these events with the uh this kind of knowledge no, oh there like, it is oh, yeah. historians and chemical uh and chemists claim the greeks were using ergot as a chemical weapon and a psychoactive drug during the celebrations of the Eleusinian Mysteries, which were the secret rituals of the mystery school of Ulysses and were observed regularly from 1600 BCE to 392 CE. Wow. Wow. Holy shit. Wow. That's crazy. So they did that for almost 2,000 years. So for almost 2,000 years, they were tripping balls. How do you come down off of that? I mean, honestly. Well, I think the Romans (laughs) put the kibosh on it. I think what happens is the the leaders put the kibosh on it. And with uh, Murarescu's work, uh, the book's called The Immortality Key. It's amazing. I listened to the audio version of it, and Brian does the the reading of it, which is fantastic because he's a a great orator. And he, he, like, nobody knows more about the subject than he does. But he... um, he said that they moved to other uh, European countries. There's evidence that they had these rituals in other places when they got kicked out of Greek uh, of Greece. Uh, wow. 
Yeah. Dude, I, I can't believe that. I mean. Wild shit, right? Yeah. I, I, I really didn't know there was anything like LSD because I've always thought that that was like kind of the, uh, the you know, top rung of like, you know, yeah. whatever. But yeah, of course, it has to, the idea has to come from somewhere, you know? Well, you know, Albert Hoffman found LSD. I think they were working on a drug to induce labor. No way. Yeah, I think no. it was. Uh, I think the the drug was being developed to induce uh, labor in pregnant women, and then he was working with it. I'm, I know I'm fucking this up. I'm sorry if people are listening. But he was working with it, and I think he got it on his hands. And then he went on a bike ride home, and he realized he was tripping balls, wow. and figured out. Mm -hmm. I think from that bike ride that uh, he had uh, figured something out, and that he had created this thing. And that's LSD. I know they use it for the PTSD and like they use you know, it for a lot of things. There's yeah. a lot of like uh, therapeutic uh, ways to use the drug. So unfortunately, I think you got to go. Is it legal here yet, or you got to go to Mexico to do it? Um, I don't think it's legal here. It's, yeah, it's still Schedule One, but I think it's all. That's also some of the shit they did with mind control uh, experiments and the MK Ultra shit in the 1960s. Yeah, they used to give it to Johns when they would go to brothels. That's like the CIA. Uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah. I saw that yeah. guy jumping out the window. Operation Midnight Climax. I guess that's a whole other uh, world of uh, intrigue. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they would hire prostitutes to give these guys LSD. Yeah. And so these guys would go to these whorehouses, thinking they're just going to have some fun, and then all of a sudden they're dosed up with LSD, and people are watching them through two-way windows. And I guess they were trying to like figure out a way to like you know like uh, like. Break a guy to get his secrets, right? Like I think they were doing can... that. Mm -hmm. I think they tried it as like a truth serum, and then you know they were going to use it to interrogate people on, and then it didn't really work that way. And then they were like trying to use it to program people's minds, and they did a bunch of experiments with that. That's uh, Timothy uh, McVeigh. No, not Timothy McVeigh. Um, the bomber. Timothy Leary. Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski. That guy he was did... a part of the Harvard LSD studies. Oh, well, that makes some sense, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They cooked his fucking noggin. Yeah. I think they cooked a lot of people's noggins. Wow. Now, would you, if this something was like where you're like, you know, I could, you can't do it recre recreationally, right? You got to do it like, you know, like, I think it could like be... with an expert with you. Yeah. I yeah. think if, if, if in a perfect world, we would have centers where you could go and you could do psychedelics under medical super supervision with people who are experts who know the right dose, who have a, a comfortable setting uh -huh. and uh, have medical staff on hand in case anything goes sideways. Nice. That's what you're supposed to do. If you just do an acid that you got from some guy who works at the gas station, <laughs> who fucking knows what's going to happen? Wow, I, I missed that whole boat, I guess. But I, I would definitely see how the LSD, like, I just heard it's like one of those things like, you want to quit smoking? LSD. Yeah. You want to do this? LSD. Like, that's really the way yeah. to go, you know? Mushrooms seem to have a similar effect. So does uh, there's something that I haven't done. It's supposed to be real rough, though. It's called Ibogaine. And Ibogaine is uh, from the boga tree, and it's apparently the best thing ever for getting people to quit uh, any bad habits. Really? Yeah, if you've got uh, an addiction to uh, whatever the fuck it is, uh, mm. especially like hard stuff like pills. From pills to porn. All the, yeah. <laughs> everything. All the above. But uh, it's apparently like ruthlessly introspective and it lasts a long time and it's very uncomfortable for is people. That, is that a South American thing too? You can get that in Mexico for sure. Um, I know there's a lot of people that go down to Mexico to have those experiences because it's uh, illegal in America yeah. for whatever reason. But it does something to actually reprogram your brain. It's, Google that. How does Ibogaine reprogram your brain to... Uh, 
bypass addiction or to to cure addiction or at least I think it just gives you an understanding of where it's coming from like where where your impulsive ridiculous self-destructive I have to gamble every day where where is that coming from mm-hmm. and it shows you where it's coming from some way Ibogaine may work in reversing the effects of opiates on gene expression with resulting impacts on neuroreceptors returning them to a pre-addiction condition which is crazy. Furthermore, addictive loops and pathways in the brain are reversed. Wow. Yeah. So hey, that's that's that should be everywhere, right? That Shouldn't would that be, be like here? if that if that was here, that would be a billion dollar business. I mean, everybody would be taking that. Everybody should be. I mean, if you if you are a person who's addicted to opiates, and there's a, a way that can actually, if that's true, mm-hmm. stop the pathway and even reverse it. Why aren't we encouraging that? That that seems like we have a giant problem in this country. It's the number one thing that kills young people age eighteen to forty nine is uh, fentanyl overdose. Yeah, that's that's some scary stuff. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. Man. Hey, do you know? Let me ask you another question. You know all this stuff. So, what do you think of this cold therapy stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Like with people, like we've all done the cold shower, but like you know, there's people. It's it's almost like you know. The cold will not only reset your brain, but it also like with your body, it like it sends. I, I don't even know what it does, but it seems like it would work because I've taken like multiple cold showers, and I'm like, I do feel like I'm, my brain is working better. Like, yeah. Like, uh, what do you think of that stuff? We do it. We have one here if you want to do it. You have a like a like a chill yeah, tank, a cold plunge. Yeah. Nice. We got this blue cube. Like, how many? How long do you fuck. have to do that for that to really kick in? And like, you have to do that over like. You know, it's got to be like a lifestyle. You got to do that like every day, right? It's, it's not going to happen one time. It's good for a lifestyle. That's why a cold plunge like a Morosco Forge or a Blue Cube, those are the best way. And there's some other companies, I'm sure, that make them. Those, that's the best way to do it because if you have something that's always cold, you can do it every day. Otherwise, you're going to have to buy ice every day. So okay. unless you have an ice machine, if you have an ice machine, maybe that's the way. And but do you really fill think the that ice that, in, but it's not as cold. That like that that's a great way to fight depression and and all that kind of stuff. It makes you feel really good. It I'll does. Tell you that. Yeah. yeah. And a combination with that and a sauna is my absolute favorite. Oh yeah, that's a spritz. That's, yeah, I love yeah. that. That's it's, cool. To get get in a nice hot sauna and then go right into the cold water and mm-hmm. then you let your body warm up after the cold water don't go in the sauna again just let your body naturally warm up and that's where you get the most benefit out of it and you feel whoa afterwards you yeah feel great but you are definitely awake after yes. the cold i know that yeah like- a lot of people like to do it first thing in the morning mm-hmm. i know guys who are doing that instead of a uh, cold shower in fact i think one of the gracies did like a video about it that um, would help me yeah, it's, sure. it's a good way to get the morning going. I, mean, I think a lot of people do it now. They it's also like you, in there you feel like minutes. you accomplished something, like you faced yes. something that you didn't want to yes. you didn't want to do, and you're like, I did it. Now the whole day's ahead of me. Yeah, if you can get through three minutes of suck to start your day, uh-huh. the rest of the day's suck was it's going to be minor in comparison. It's fucking cold in there, man. Yeah, it's hard. You gotta you gotta really uh, you gotta just dig in and do it. You gotta tighten up your bowels. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> and then just fucking woo. Yeah, that's another but, thing. But if you do it on a regular basis, there's definitely benefits to it. Definitely um, benefits to like reducing inflammation and you know chemicals like this norepinephrine. I think is what gets released. Feel, you feel real good afterwards. There's this guy. I guess he's the cold man, and he knows everything about that. He's you mean the like, ice man? The ice man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the cold man. I'm talking about a guy. Who, Sits in a bath of cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he has the world record for sitting in an ice bath. He's he? the guy. Something he's the guy crazy. He's, he's he did like, like nine hours or some shit. He's like this. This is the answer to everything. Yeah. Like, he, what? It, what was his world record? This guy. Yeah. Yeah, that's him. That is fucking awesome. Look at him. 
Wim Hof. He's the fucking man. And he's all about uh, deep breathing exercises. Yeah. And he's a powerful presence, too. When you're around that guy, you get nervous. <laughs> Look at him with the iceberg. Yeah. Mm. He just climbs in water. But it's all his uh, his breathing. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, courses that he has online where he teaches you his Wim Hof method of breathing. Very interesting guy. Very, very unusual. There's not a whole lot of dudes like him. That's uh, that's something I should do. But yeah, you smoke cigarettes. I know. Well, it would be some deep wheezing. <laughs> <laughs> Wim Hof. Oh, my God. One hour, 52 minutes. One hour and 52 minutes and 42 seconds, something most people can only tolerate for a few seconds. Oh. How cold was it? That's like torture. That's like what they do when they torture you. How cold was the ice bath? That's insane. Oh, man. That's so long. He's looking like he's getting a CAT scan. Mm, doesn't say how cold it was. Like his brain must be wired so differently now from like years of that. Well, he uh, traversed Mount Everest with sandals on. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really? Yeah, he had like ice sandals. See, we can show that picture of him. He's in shorts with ice sandals. Uh, like to like pass the base camp all the way. Yeah, to go to the top. Holy wow! Is that that? I See think the that's suicidal. Photos of, no, he he says it's easy. <clears throat> he didn't get. Any kind of frostbite or He doesn't anything? want to do it again because it's too easy. Wow. It's amazing what you could do if you Look really have that. Look at him. When was that? I was like, uh, like... Dude, he's on top of Mount Everest in his shorts. What the fuck? What the fuck, dude? This is like a north face. Look at that. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. This guy's out there in his shorts Man. on top of Mount Everest. Like, what? what is, what's going on there? And he looks like a regular guy. That's yeah. what's crazy. Like when you see him, he doesn't even look like an athlete. It's not like he looks like Luke Rockhold or something. He looks like a regular guy. And it's all. And he's just like, it's his breathing and his mind. And, you know, he was a yoga instructor at one point in time. He befriended the cold. Yeah. He's mastered areas of human performance that most people can't even begin to comprehend. And he's done it through breath work. Mm. It's really interesting. Tense guy. Were you ever that kind of guy? Like, where you were like, you know, like a marathon running, like, you know, a run guy? No, I never did yeah. marathon. I used to run with my dog in the hills, but um, I was never like a runner. Yeah, that was yeah. like, there's like some people like, uh, like that's their, they get that high and they everything get a like high that. For I sure. see them every day in New York. That it's like, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, they definitely get a high. You get a, there's a runner's high that's legit. It's uh, some release of endorphins and all your blood's flowing and your all your your mind thinks really well. Mm. So you can clear your mind from a good aerobic. I mean, it doesn't have to be a run, but the idea is aerobic exercise. Something about good aerobic exercise just it drains your body of bullshit and it gives you like a, a fresh perspective. You, know, you just your body feels better when you do something like that. You know? Do you do anything physical? I uh, go to the gym in my clothes. I wear these same yeah. clothes at the gym, but yeah. Do you really? I was doing kettlebells for a while, and I felt like that was like the perfect fit for me. And then after a while, I just moved on to other stuff. But you know, like I. I Why do you go to the gym in regular clothes? I'm just like I'm not a gym guy. Like I, I never feel comfortable there. They don't. <laughs> they don't tell you you have to wear gym clothes. Uh, no, they're cool with me because I'm like the old guy <laughs> at the gym. <laughs> 
And it's like a legit, it's like a fight. It's a fight, Jim. You know, a lot, a a lot of Muay gym? Thai. Really? You know, like, all that kind of stuff. So it's funny in the locker room where I'm like, in my sweaty, and these kids, they're all like tatted up. It's like, a, I always say it's like walking into a Malaysian prison. You know, there's like <laughs> tigers on someone's back, and there's like crazy eyes, you know, staring at you, this stink eye. But like, they're really cool to me. And like, uh, you know, the kettlebells, I, I was doing that for a while. But to be honest, like on the road, I think I've always gotten the most out of just like jumping rope. Jumping rope's great. Push-ups and sit-ups and things like that. Just stuff you could do in your room. Yeah. But now it's like always about like, oh, where's the hotel gym? I got to get down there and do my... It's like, uh, that's not for me, you know? One of my best workouts I ever did uh, in a hotel room, I was... Uh, I just pushed the bed to the side and I did yoga. I just followed a book and, uh-huh. I, did, and I, I felt so good after it was over. I was like, look at that. I just did it just in this room by myself. Don't you think yoga is the most misunderstood of... Like, I know a lot of people who like... Uh, you know, I got to lose weight, so I'm going to start doing some yoga. I'm like, that's not really going to do that for you, you know? <laughs> well, like, you're talking about a long-term thing here. Like, it takes a long time for that to even take take effect on you. Yoga you know? can make you lose weight for sure, but if you dieting do, makes you lose weight. Right. That's really what you got to do that's different. What do you think of this intermittent fasting thing? It's good. It's good? Yeah, I think it's good to give your body some chance to digest things. Oftentimes, we're, like, packing food on top of food that's not even digested yet, and there's uh-huh. more food coming. You know, well, I eat one meal a day and I'm still fat. So I really do. <laughs> when do you eat? I eat late, like two, like three. After your show. Yeah, I won't eat before because then I hilarious. get tired. It's terrible. So but, you don't eat until like two, three in the morning, then you go to sleep and you do it all over again the next sometimes, day. Sometimes it's so funny. <laughs> like I'll eat like at five in the morning and I'm oh like, my oh, God. this is terrible. Oh and then God. like I won't sleep till like 11. And I'm like, you Man, go to sleep at 11 a.m.? Like an adult shouldn't be living like this, ah. you know? And I'm not wasted. I'm not high or anything like that. It's just straight up, like, nerves, tension, you know, just like, you know, trying to finish something, then forget it. You know, I'm not going to do it. Just sit here and smoke, you know? So it's it's pretty sad, but it's still, like, I like that weird, crazy meal at the end of the day. Like, I could never eat before I go on stage. You know, there's a lot of right. guys I know who I work with who are like, yeah, I got to eat. Like, like, the, like, as they're announcing my name, I need to eat something. I need that energy. I was never that guy, so... I can eat like an hour and a half before, but no later than that. Yeah. If it gets an hour before I go on stage, that's not good. And you can't eat carbs. Can't yeah. eat, I've, I've done that before. We eat like a bowl of spaghetti and like, oh. Or and like a steak or something. Like I can that. eat a steak. You can eat a steak right no before problem. you go up? Yeah. Mm. That doesn't seem to be a problem. It's what you eat with the steak. It's not the steak itself. It's usually with me fries and baked potatoes and sour oh, okay. cream. And so I didn't all. know you ate that kind of stuff. I yeah. eat that stuff. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't eat that stuff. Well, you're in the right place. I mean, Texas, well, I mean, it's almost like a, a law here. You got to eat that. Yeah. Most of what I eat, I eat pretty clean. But uh, I'll, I'll go off the rails every now and some French fries and some bullshit. But uh, relatively better than I've ever been before. Like, I'm pretty good with my diet. Yeah. But I like food, man. Food's fucking delicious. I like pizza sometimes. Sometimes I think it's important just to give yourself just a little mouth pleasure. Mm-hmm. You just got to be careful you don't do it too much. You know, that's all it is. I yep. think moderation's good for everybody. And do you eat any of those, like, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Like, you know, there's all these, like, designer dessert stuff. Like, do you do that? Nah. You're not a chocolate guy, right? I like, you know what's great is you ever have Craig's vegan ice cream? No. You know Craig's in LA? No. He makes a vegan ice cream. I know you're like, oh, my God, vegan. It's fucking great. It's with cashew butter. Yeah. It's delicious. It's this creamy, delicious ice cream. It's not good for you. It's got sugar in it. But it's it's it's, vegan, though, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you want to talk about like a designer dessert, that one is legit. To be honest, uh, you know, I drink coffee all day long. And uh, (laughs) like drinking a bottle- 
Drinking a bottle, I would love some. Yeah, drinking a bottle of water is like a, a big deal for me. Right. I remember one time I was on the USO tour, and uh, we were like in Kuwait or Iraq or something like that. Cheers. And it, it's like a, to you, buddy. To you, brother. It was like a 115 degrees, and I, and they're like, "Are you hydrating?" And I go, "Yeah, I'm drinking all this coffee." They go, um, "Well, you're gonna die because <laughs> that's taking fluids out of your body. Yeah, you know, you got to drink just straight up water here." I'm like, "Really?" And then I felt like I was like dizzy. I'm like, oh, "Where's that water, buddy?" Hey, let me get let me get a hose. You know, so I think yeah, you I, get some water from coffee, but it's also a diuretic. C- coffee yeah. is terrible, man. I drink yeah. it all night. I know? love it. You do? Yeah, oh, I love good. coffee. Good. I love coffee. So I kind of see you as a guy like with like you've conquered all these like demons, you know? Yeah, but sometimes I like to dance with them. But go uh, back and dance with the 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 demon of coffee, especially. I don't the know demon of marijuana. I do know that if I don't drink it, I get like that super headache, you know, of like, mm. where's the coffee? You I know, did that Your before. brain, oh, that's a tough thing to quit. It's coffee. a weird one because you realize you're addicted and you didn't know. You're like, ooh, I woke up and I had a headache. I'm like, oh my God. But that was actually sodas. I was drinking these sodas. I was, I was, I got into this kick of writing really late at night and I would drink these, they had these crazy like small batch sodas they were selling in LA uh-huh. that had like, they were spicy. They had like uh, like crazy levels of caffeine in them, and they had like skulls on the label and shit, and all these like wild like, labels, like death coffee, right? Like something like that, but it's filled with sugar and filled with caffeine. And I was drinking those things when I was writing, and um, I was getting so much caffeine. <laughs> and then one day I woke up in the morning and I didn't have one, and uh, I didn't have uh, any coffee or anything. And I had a headache, and I was like, "Oh no!" Your brain I'm needs addicted. it. I'm addicted. I have a headache because I'm not getting the caffeine. I'm like, "This is not good." You know, uh, when I was a little kid, my mom used to give us a cup of tea before we went to bed. I guess she had like an English thing, like we were little mm. English lords and ladies. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, even then, I was knowing like. Hey, I don't think we're supposed to be drinking this kind of drink right before maybe a uh, hot chocolate or cocoa or something. But it's like, you know, you're sitting in your bed, you're buzzing, exactly. you know, you're like you're like 12, you know. So I was like, I think that's where it started. You know, I need that kind of caffeine going there. Well, they give you sugar first. Sugar breakfast cereal, that's the biggest jolt of fucking drugs you're ever going to get as a kid. Yeah. Remember those? I love it. Oh. And it, like the only place you see those like old brands now, like you have to go like <laughs> to a really <laughs> D level hotel, like when they give you the free breakfast. You know, right, like, you oh, loops. there you are, Honeycombs uh, <laughs> Junior. I knew you. I knew Snugger, Sugar Paps didn't go out of style. I had some the other day. I forget where I was. Well, Fruit Loops is classic. So I just haven't had it in a long time, and it looked good. I'm like, let me try that. I forget what it was. I think it was Honey Nut Cheerios. That's what it was. And I was like, this is fucking delicious. Do you, your kids, do they like, because uh, like these kids, I don't even know, I guess they, uh, it took with this organic food thing. Like that's like, they love to talk about it. And, you know, uh, is there like an organic omelet or some kind right. of stuff? Like that? They don't eat that kind of stuff, right? They eat everything. Oh, they do? Okay, yeah, that's good. Yeah, but they eat healthy. They Like they see us eating healthy and they, they but we eat bullshit too. I'll let them eat like Cheetos and yeah. fucking, I, you know, have some fun. But it's also like your foundation of what what's fueling your body should be really good nutrition. Right. So they'll they'll take vitamin supplements and they're they know smart. The, they're they smart. Know the they eat healthy. They, they know the difference between good meal and bad meal. Yeah, you but know? it's also like we don't put pressure. Like my pressure is like I want you to get nutrition, 
but I also say, let's have fun. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's go have some dessert. Let's go eat some bullshit. Have a churro. Let's fuck around. You know, both those things. Let's talk about the menu at the new club. What are we thinking? No menu. <laughs> no <laughs> food. <laughs> fuck out of here. You don't want food and comedy. It's a I always love when they have an extensive menu. Like, oh, no. don't you want to hear a? Don't you want to hear a lobster tail as a guy does an impression? <laughs> People are clinking and cutting, yeah. cutting. You know, chicken parmesan. Right in front of you, like get out of here. That's you know, crazy. You ever work Lexington, Kentucky? No, I don't think man. That's bourbon. Maybe I that's did. bourbon country. No, I did. Wasn't there an improv there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I forget what the name I think of the club I did was. It one night. It was a little. It was a little club. They're a great crowd, and I'm, uh, you know, Louisville, Lexington, whatever. There, it's a cool. It's a cool region. A cool market. You know, nothing mm. like it. But the, I was like, so what's on the menu here? And they're like, bourbon. What what else do you need? You know, it's like you know, it's, it's like people come here. They're going to drink and they're going to watch you, and that's it. There's not going to be any kind of fancy. You know, this isn't a fancy sit down. You know, it's like let's get the business. And I was like, good. good. That's good. the way to do it. Perfect. You know? The places with food, I get it. You're trying to make some extra money and also trying to like kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Go and have some food, watch a good comedy show. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it's not ideal. Right. It does get in the way. It's just weird. I'm just used to it now, like where there's yeah. like the food on the tables and you can see the people like with the with the spinach dip, you know, yeah. waiting on the punchline. But it's fine. That's mm-hmm. cool too. You know, it's no big deal, but it's just I don't want to do it in my club. I, I don't mind it. Like if I go to, I'm not a snob. If I yeah. go to somewhere and people are eating, it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like, it's not the best way to do it. Oh, for sure. It's not, the best way to do it is your phones are locked up in a yonder bag. You're fucking uh-huh. sitting there and you're just focused. You're having fun. Have a few drinks or not, you know, whatever. And when, like, uh, have a good time. You you just were at like MSG, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's nothing like that room, you know? That's a wild room. Can it's you a w- weird room to be doing stand up in. It just seems so strange. I mean, I did that nine eleven benefit there and there was like so many great comics on it. Chappelle closed it mm. out, of course, you know, there's no other way to do it. And like Stewart was there and uh Mulaney and uh Michael Che. Every everybody was there. And it was like they also had like guys like me, we were coming in and doing stuff. It was like the sound was perfect and like everybody there like they had a drink maybe maybe or something like that. But there was really no food or anything like that. Everybody was like focused on the show. So right. you could almost feel it because I'm coming from the club world and you're like, you know, this a lot of things going on somebody's bringing out a fiery dish you know all that kind of stuff so it's like a different kind of game you know well you should do more of those big shows because they're I don't fun know if I could... <laughs> i'll i'll bring you with me i'll do I, come on let's dude, do some if if i'm ever in the neighborhood i would love to go up come and on just we'll say book hi. something together all right let's do it let's do it let's have some fun let's let's split the difference i can't sell out uh madison square garden but i think i could sell out the Dwayne reed next to it <laughs> So let's go there. Maybe we'll stop a smash and grab. That would be great. We can kill two birds with one stone. I saw a smash and grab today on uh, on YouTube. It was wild. They just went into this uh, store and started ripping cell phones off the walls. It's definitely not Ocean's Eleven. These kids, are, they're so freestyling it. Crazy. And they're all wearing masks, which you're allowed to wear now. Uh-huh. So it's like, how are you going to catch them? <laughs> you, you, like, made wearing masks okay. So everyone's wearing a mask, and they're just running in there and stealing shit. This, is, this stuff is, like, honestly... <sighs> It's it's like I never thought this was going to be on the other side of this, but the thing that's really getting me now, and I think you probably will agree, is that like you know I, I don't know I hate to be hacky and do kind of a joke, but it's like I didn't know as Americans we have the right to like 
go to a fast food place, and if there's something wrong, we can hop the counter and beat a man to death. Like, I didn't know that. Whatever happened to just eating what you get or walking away? Like, for somehow this is like some kind of honor killing. You have to confront this man, <laughs> this poor kid. This poor kid making uh, seven bucks an hour. You have to confront him and, like, you know, whatever. It, it's ridiculous. I never thought I would live to see that. It, it really blows me away. There's nothing like a late-night fast food barn brawl. Well, this is not Just like a punch fucking... up, like, hey, what's up? what did you say to me at the rodeo? <laughs> you know, hey, this is like full tilt, like. But those barn burner brawls where people, like, everybody's piling on top yeah. of everybody and smashing, like a barroom brawl. Like an okay corral. An okay corral <laughs> yeah. fight at a, a, you know, a 2 a.m. Uh -huh. Waffle House or something, you know? The, the IHOP. <laughs> Everyone's favorite throwdown joint. There's something about getting drunk people late at night in those fucking places. And the poor people that work there, oh honestly, it's like it's like they should be getting combat pay. You know, How they really. How often you see a brawl at a fucking Waffle House if you work there? Like every other day. And and the people who do work there are like shell shocked. <laughs> they're like got that thousand yards there. It's like, what are you having? You know, and they're like looking, like checking the corners. <laughs> How about how about the, just the fact that like there's no late night food anymore? Everything closes early. Well, People are afraid dangerous. to stay open. Just, yeah, is this one? The guy who had the axe. He pulled an axe out of his back. Yeah, that was in New York. That's yeah. one of ours. This guy took here. all these punches. Why is he getting beat up? No, uh, I don't know what happened. It's like the same normal thing, you know, like a fight at McDonald's at night. Then he pulls out the and axe. He's like, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm from New York. The axe man. <laughs> He starts fucking everybody. This up. guy, and oh here he is. That's him. They talk to yep. him afterwards. Yeah. Right Suspect. on the street. <laughs> right on the street. Look at his ears. You got the holes, giant holes in his ears. This ear. guy is he ready to go, crazy. man. He had an axe with him. Yeah, you can get him at Home Depot. He That's what he said. In, he might be in trouble. Might be. It seems like not good, but he did show a little bit of restraint, letting those dudes punch him. Yeah. No, it was the whole what thing of like, on? "That's all you got." He kept saying, "That's all you got." Because of that, but fuck. That's just another day in New York. The Wawa in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. See that video? It's hilarious. This lady goes, are you going to make sandwiches or are you just going to keep recording them? She wants her sandwich Can made. Can you believe it? She's yeah. behind the counter. And she's so nonplussed by this chaos behind her. She's like, are you guys going to make sandwiches or are you just going to keep recording them? I want a fucking sandwich. See, I don't care about this. That's amazing because uh, like, when you're not from Philly, you love a Wawa. You're like, <laughs> man, this is such a so much better than 7-Eleven. This is so much better than everything. And then for them to desecrate it like that. Oh. Terrible. It's the craziest uh, like group activity in a, a, a store that I've ever seen because they all just decided to go nuts. It's and it's mayhem. not a small amount of people. It's, it's a mayhem. lot of fucking people. And they're just grabbing shit off the shelves and throwing shit on the ground. This girl, yeah, she, wants she just wants a sandwich. But at least she beat the line. You know, everybody's distracted. Oh, my God. This is so crazy. Where's my Philadelphia uh, police said they found approximately 100 juveniles inside the Wawa but made no arrests. Why would you arrest somebody? I mean, why make an arrest? It happened to me when I was at a 7-Eleven here. Just one guy, though. He, I was going to walk to pay for like a Snickers bar or something, and as I was going to walk up, he just grabbed something and walked right out. And the lady's like, it seemed like it happened on a nightly case, like a nightly basis. Oh, yeah. No, I'm they, sure they, they can't stop them now. You know, they're to protect her. I'm sure people just steal things now because it, in certain places, like in San Francisco, if you don't steal 900 bucks worth of stuff, they don't even do anything. They don't. So yeah. it has to be more than 900 bucks worth of stuff. So people are going in there and just stealing whatever the fuck they want. As long as it's not 900 bucks worth, they just leave. In in New York, like, like that happens so much that, like, you'll see it happen, and then, like, they'll try and be very, like, woke about it. Like, you know, hey, you know, people need things, whatever. And then you'll see the same guy from the news selling this stuff, like, on the street, like, walking down. You need some Tide? 
you need some tie because they're trying to make some money. But at the end of the day, that store will go out of business. Like they'll shut it down. Like, right. I mean, they are a company. They got to make money. Right. So five people lost their jobs. You know, there's no there's no neighborhood store now for people to get. So the whole idea of like, you know, no one's really getting hurt with this is not true. It's really it's really incredible to see how bad it is. You know, it's a wild time, Dave. It is wild times. They really are wild. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm too old to boost, you know, like I don't have it in me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you uh, see, how, were you around in New York in the 90s when it was crazy in Times Square? Yeah. Is it like that to you or worse? I think that um, uh, maybe because I'm older and I'm a homeowner now, you know, like, you know, I'm like, what is going on With here? these kids. Yeah, yeah these kids. But I, I think that this is just a sense of entitlement of people allowed to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, like driving like mopeds on the sidewalk, doing all that kind of stuff. You know, hey, if I feel like, uh, you know, driving erratically, I'm going to do it. If I feel like walking down the street holding the, like a piece of metal and yelling at people, I'm going to do it. Because it's more of a hands-off kind of scene in New York now, you know? Like, just Jesus. basically, like, we're not going to get involved until, like, actually something happens. So, you know, uh, uh, if, if you got, like, young kids or a business or something like that, you really are in a bad place at the wrong time, you know? Jesus. Like, outdoor dining there, and guys come up and just start screaming at you, rip something off your table, you know, that kind of thing. I always tell the tourists that come to the side, I go, watch out, and I'll go, like, you know, the way you're holding your bag, don't hold it like that. It's too easy. You know, like, put it this way. They get a little, like, like whoa, I didn't know it was like that. And the subway's a whole different world down there, you know? That's, like, you know, basically. The subway's wild. Yeah. Subway's wild. It's wild to be contained. Did you see the video of Henzo Gracie getting in a fight on the subway? That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> he said he fucked his knee up. I ran into him. Like, oh, he did? Yeah, I ran into him, like I guess, a week and a half or so later. Talk about a great situation for what he does. I yeah. Mean, like, that's it. You exactly. Know? You know? And what a terrible move by that guy. Just <laughs> tell him to speak English. He's like, my friend, you know. <laughs> he did the right thing, though, right? Yeah. He's, like, trying to de-escalate. He so. didn't even hurt him. He just threw him to the ground and controlled him and put him in a stranglehold and let him go. Right. And told him to apologize. Well, uh, I don't know if you know. Yeah, it was right there. <laughs> like, out of all the people to fuck with, you fuck with Henzo Gracie. That's such a huge mistake. He just controlled him. The dude's trying to punch him, and Henzo's on top of him. He's like, no, son, you're not going anywhere. Head and arm control, half guard, put, puts a smush down on him, and he's strangling him right now. Wow. <laughs> That's it's great. just a terrible, terrible mistake. They didn't roll out of all onto the people the in the world. Oh my God! Thank God they yeah, did. Yeah, that would have been so scary. The, that would have been pushing really tough. people on the track shit. Mm -hmm. Hearing about that kind of stuff, like yeah, yeah, oh. that's New York, man. That's just the way it is. There's a lot of towns like that now, just like where it's like, oh, I guess that's the way it is. Have you been to Portland lately or no? Portland's wild, yeah. Though, huh? Portland is so weird that like um, the Helium Club, they're very cool club you know mm -hmm. and that neighborhood is kind of like it's like the warehouse art district or something like that and you know they have serious like housing problem there it's very sad and all that stuff but i talked to somebody who like uh you know uh, like whatever who lives there and i go so uh these people are allowed to you know put up like whatever they want wherever they want and he goes yeah and they, they really you know like the sad thing is like fires you know like something will happen and like yeah. you know it, it could uh catch fire so they're like, cooking meth in a tent 
Uh, could be. Yeah, they're yeah. cooking meth in a little plastic house. What so, could go wrong? So it's like, talk about like, you know, I don't know. Like, you didn't see that coming. And I no, guess no one saw that coming. I Some, didn't see it. Someone just filmed it the other day and sent it to me. that They were in Portland and showed me this uh, road they went down. And all the, the tents and how crazy it is and how dense it is. It's like, wow, you're not going to do anything about that? You're just going to let that happen? <laughs> it does not seem like a fucking safety hazard, a public safety hazard, a health hazard. All the above hazards. It's isn't it litter? It's also litter. It's litter. It's like in New York they have the outdoor dining. Have you seen these things? Yeah. It's like it's the like little cabooses. Like I, it's like a manger. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like basically it's like you know you might as well do a reenactment in there. You yeah. know, but like they were having like people having sex in there and oh, all that. Because we're all making Christ. jokes about it and everything like that. But it's like why wouldn't they? It's like too yeah. tempting. I yeah. mean, like why wouldn't you? There's no one in there with you. You, you gotta you know like christen it basically. You know, make it your own. But it's just like filthy and uh, i don't know i guess you know if people really want the grunge of new york you're seeing it right now do you still enjoy living there no but uh have you thought about bailing i can't i can't because right. of my mom right. you know i gotta be close i i have trouble being on the road more than like three or four days because i feel like i, I can't go overseas i'm afraid that i might have right. to come back you know but uh other than that like I, I you know where i was thinking vegas vegas and, is a great place yeah but then like you know the real heat hits me again and i'm like i don't know if i could do this 24 7 yeah, all year long indoors vegas yeah. has they got their electrical system down don't do they they don't go they don't have like blackouts in vegas yeah no that's you think about all the ac they got running all the casinos all the money involved mm -hmm. they keep the ac on and now that there's like weird stuff happening in Vegas, like a uh, like a, uh, a deluge of water, like yeah. like weird stuff like that. Because I have friends who live there, and I'm like, yeah, it snowed here the other that was like a couple years ago, and then now it's like, yeah, no, there's like f there's water on the floor in the casino, yeah. you know that kind of stuff. So, they got uh, floods. I guess they're like in the middle of like uh, you know whatever the climate the climate change thing is happening. You can see it Vegas style, you know. Well, I think it's uh, they got. A long period of drought, right? Yeah. So the, the Lake Mead was drying up. How cool is that to find bodies wild. in there? Isn't that neat? Wild. That is yeah. really cool. We all thought those were stories. No. Now we see it was all real. No, there's real bodies in mm -hmm. there. They found murder victims, all kinds of shit. They, they found, found dudes stuffed boats. in a drum. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they found boats. I think they found like five bodies now. Crazy. Yeah. Cement. <laughs> what can cement do? <laughs> I mean, just think about what Vegas must have been like during the mob days. 70s, yeah. Can you imagine? That's when it was an adult Vegas, not like now where it's like, you know, right. it's like all these little, you know, things to do for kids. But it must have been so dangerous. Mm. Well, Stanhope, I think uh, that's where he started was in Vegas. Yeah. I, I think that's like, he's one of the few guys like that started in Vegas. Yeah, he know? did his first, th there's a scene there now. Because you got to think, they have the cellar now in Vegas. They mm -hmm. have uh, the Laugh Factory in Vegas. Jimmy Kimmel's, I think, went under, right? No, I think that's I think that's still going. Is it still going? I don't know, but they have, yeah, you're right. They have Brad a couple Garrett. of rooms. Brad Garrett's got a Brad great Garrett's fucking Brad Garrett's been there room. for decades been there forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have other rooms, too. There's, there's a couple of other rooms. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay. Vegas versus Atlantic City. <laughs> What do you think? I like Vegas better. Yeah. I like Atlantic City, but it seems like sometimes it's like a little bit of a bitter, sad Vegas. But I love Atlantic City just because <laughs> of the sadness of it. It's the sadness you like? It's one of those where, like, um, you know, you walk out on the boardwalk and you're like, it's it's immediately a Death Wish movie. <laughs> you know? For some reason, there's steam and, like, there's people coming oh, at you through the steam. You know? <laughs> fog. Weird. You know, scary sounds. A lot of scary, you know, like weird stuff like that. We saw quite a few uh, people that looked to be involved in uh, the drug trade. Oh, Seemed sure. Like they were uh, selling and buying and procuring uh, various substances. That's a hub. Just walking around out there. Yeah, it was, it's um, 
But it's better than no Atlantic City. Like, yeah, for sure. Shows there are fun. Restaurants are great. You know, but it's bad. funny when, you, like, same thing with Coney Island. When you look it. at the pictures from the '40s, you know, right. like, like a guy wearing his big suit, his bathing suit, whatever. And then you look at these places now, and you're like, what the? What how happened? Do f- how do they fix that, Dave? How do they get? How do they fix? How do they Atlantic fix City? the homeless problem in Portland and? The tents and the chaos and all the extra violence. How do they fix it? I have no idea. I'm not that guy. I'm not a, a big picture guy. All I can say is like, uh, you know, you uh, uh, a little good can go a long way. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, basically, <laughs> basically, and I'm not talking about handouts either. Like, uh, you know, give a guy a job, you know, that kind of a thing. But uh, that I'd would say, probably help. I would say there's a lot of people that the lifestyle is just like, you know, like like we have a lifestyle. There's a lifestyle to live in like off the grid, too. And that a lot of people would rather, you know, live in a in a car and like, uh, you know, then have to deal with a lot of these things and do do their drug or whatever they want to do. And just like kind of like say, you know, I don't need to be a part of that. And if they can get by on very little, then they'll do it. You know, yep. but, but I'm not I'm not giving them an excuse. I'm just saying I believe in free will. And I think you do, too, that people do make choices, you know. Yeah, I think that's the case sometimes. And also the problem is where they're doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Just do it on the city streets. You can't just like decide that's where you live. That's right. crazy. We've always had like order in that, and that's why people get along so well. It's like they uh, observe each other's space. True. When you have a house in Venice and it's worth five million dollars, and right outside your house is like fifty tents. Yeah. Like, who wants to move there? No, you can't sell that house now. And then if now they're they're allowing people to like go into your backyard, like like right. they won't kick them out. They won't do anything about it. <laughs> well, what like uh, you know the free zone or whatever that was the the free zone in Portland or yes, Seattle, whatever Seattle, that was, yeah. something like that. And I was like, um, yeah, these people are like creating their own society. Unfortunately, you know, I got a I, I got a stationery store near this free society, <laughs> and I'm and I'm basically going out of business. You know, yeah. I, I got to pull my kid out of college now. I was like, well, that's not fair. You know, well, but don't say that is, out loud, you know. The problem is they were deciding that it was okay to take over people's property by force. Right. Whether they realize that or not, that's what they're deciding. The only reason why people weren't reclaiming all their property and going back into that area is because they were scared. So the problem with that is if you decide that you're righteous and you're doing this for a good reason, what if someone decides that they're righteous and then they come in and take it back from you? Yeah. And then you're just legalizing stealing through an ideology. Like you think it's okay. Capitalism is evil and fuck the police and we're going to like we're going to run this place on our own. But mm-hmm. if you notice what happened, they immediately started behaving like warlords. They attacked people, they pulled out phones, they beat people mm-hmm. up. They, that one person got shot and killed, yeah. and then eventually everyone came to their senses. But the the fucking mayor was hilarious. She said, "Maybe it's the summer of love." Right? Did you see that? I I, I saw a lot of excuses for what was going on there. But the one thing that they on the news they especially try and take some of the mean out of it. Be like. But a free organic breakfast for all. Oh Doesn't boy. matter who you, they give them a cup of granola or something like that. Now go out and have a go out and, and, and beat a guy with a tire iron. Yeah, we're gonna make an amazing society. It's gonna grow from here. Like what kind of crackpots plan of the future do you have? I don't know. Every- <laughs> you steal the bank and light the fucking police department on fire, and then you can eventually become the best society ever, right in the middle of Seattle. Well, it's weird how, like, uh, you know, back in the day, like, you know, chain snatching. Do you remember that? Like, you're on a subway, you know, you're like a group of people, and some guy come by and snatch a girl's chain off or something like that. I think it's and popular then, again. Well, but now it's also, like, phones. Like, let me get your phone. Like, oh, that whole thing no. of, like, you know, let me take your, like, your digital life 
from you. Ooh. You know, like it's like basically reaching in and grabbing your soul, mm. like right out of you. Like now you have, now you can't communicate. You know Ooh. that kind of thing. So I was always like, it's amazing how they kept kept pace with just the world. But I guess chains, watches, all that kind of stuff will always be. It's booty. That's what it is. You know. Basically. Yeah, and you can sell them. Yep. You know, you can sell a lot of stuff. People buy a lot of hot stu- stuff. Luckily, I'm not a bling man. So, Luckily. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to have to wrestle a guy from my flip phone. <laughs> you know? That that thing must have a battery that goes for days, huh? It's awesome. And it is a weapon, basically. You, you can know, throw can, that. You can beat a man together with How two, often do you charge that? Um, every other day. No, no, pretty much every day. But it's still like, you know, talk about like dropout service. You know, it's like you'll like you'll lose them and you'll never hear from them again. You know, that kind of a thing. It's supposed to be like an emergency construction site's phone, but I don't know about that. Is it like three G at least? Uh four G. Four. Oh, you get four yeah. G. Yeah, it's almost hey, like so a, you're working. It's, it's working. It's, it's going to work on Mars. Yeah. Some old guys still hang on, but I think some comics, it's a good thing for them. It's good for me. Yeah, just, it definitely is. You don't want to be connected all the time. To I'm everything. not good that way. Yeah, it's too much. And I can only imagine, like, you get all that feedback from the show, you know, it's like you can fall into that, like, that rabbit hole. Don't all, do it. Yeah, don't do it. I tell everybody, stay away from the comments. Do you write in front of a computer? Do you write in front of a notebook? How do you write? <laughs> That's a good, um, you know, because a lot of the young ones, they're always like, what's the process? And I'm always like, you know, I've gotten the most out of it with writing ideas down, trying to make it as strong as possible going on stage, taping it, and then listening to it. And they are always like, that's it? And I'm like, it's pretty much, you know, like kind of like watching your swing, you know? Yeah. And like you see what's wrong with it and you can correct it. And it's like until I hear it on stage, I really don't even know what it is. So the writing part, I used to beat myself up for hours. Like, okay, why am I not Seinfeld? Seinfeld was notorious. He could write it to stage. Like it would be like almost perfect. And he would bring it on stage and it was done. And I was like, I want to be like that. I want to be that guy. And I never could do it. It would be always like, okay, well, these are funny words and this is a left turn. Okay, I'm up there. Nothing. Then I'd listen to it and i go, oh, I see what it's doing wrong, you know? So it really did help me correct a lot of uh, my, uh, I guess, joke writing. But like uh, in terms of bad habits and stuff like that, that's when when you listen to the tape, that's where you hear all those bad habits. Like, yeah. you know, you're saying a word that you didn't even know you're saying. Like, you're ending everything with like a, a huh or something like some <laughs> weird noise. Like, mm. you know, like why is that in there? What, 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 why do I do that? Is right. that a nervous tick? So, but how about you? Like, what you said that you would stay up and you would like write out. Like, yeah, today is the first day I wrote first thing in the morning. Because I got up in the morning and I had this like a hankering to write, to write. So I sparked up a joint and I wrote first thing in the morning. So I was writing at like 8 o'clock. So you write every day then? I don't write every day. Okay. But I write a lot. You do? Yeah. I write at least four or five days a week. Wow. And I try to write at least for a couple hours. That's good work ethic. Cause... I try to just, a lot of it's nonsense. A lot well, of it's that... not going anywhere. It's like I just, I'm just blah, 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 bing something, maybe later. Check it out later. And then I'll go back later and go over it and I'll pull that. I'll copy and paste it into a new yeah. uh, uh, Word file and I'll say, okay, like what is it? What's in here for me? And I, I start I, writing out that, shit. When you said that a lot of it's garbage, that's like, that that's what it is, man. Yeah. It's panning for gold. And yeah. it's also like, once you do get that gem, like that's when they, like nothing else feels like that. You're like, wow, where did that come from? I can't yeah. believe that. And then you look at all the garbage that you got, that you had to get to that. You know, it, it is like canning. Yeah. You're like looking for the magical <laughs> can there, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's just forcing yourself to sit down and write. It's so important. Some, comp- some, some comics don't want to do it. They just have the idea and they just kind of want to go on uh, on stage with an idea. And that's cool, too. I don't think there's any right way or wrong way to do it. But for me, 
I have definitely found that if I sit down and write, more mm. shit will come out. I will, I will come up with more concepts. I'll come up with more premises. I'll come up with more angles. The premises is the hardest, I think, because I like my jokes. Like I can, I can change the punchline a million different ways, but it's the, um, you know, committing to like the premise, like, you know, what is this about and how does this fit together? That, right. that to me is the real work of it. But when you, when you say like you sit down with pad and pe paper or on the computer and, and you're writing, like I would do that sometimes just to basically go like, I want to get out every bad idea I have right now and I'm going <laughs> to just sit here for an hour and I'm going to just type anything that's happening to me. I used to do that when I was really young. I would like, I am not writing anything good. I'd write in my notebook <laughs> just to turn the page. And I, I was like, if anything, you know, what it does is it, it, it just it, it just tells your brain that, like, you're working on this right now and that you're going to focus on it. Yeah. So for me, it was good because I'm not a real disciplined guy, but that was, like, something that I really did, you know, take to early in comedy of, like, material. I respect yeah. it. I want it. I want to be able to have new material all the time. I don't want to waste stage time. So I really committed to that. Everybody wants it. Just It's like there's a thing that musicians do that we don't do in that they practice. They don't just go on stage. Yeah. They, they practice. Mm -hmm. Like, remember Mo Better Blues? Yeah. I remember watching Denzel Washington, that movie, being so, like, envious of that kind of discipline. The right. discipline to work on your craft all the time, even when he was not performing on stage. He, like, like remember his girl was trying to have sex with him? He's no, like, no, I, no, no. I, I have don't to. remember it that well. He's like, I've got to practice. And this oh, okay. is his thing. Like, he was this amazing uh, trumpet player, and he mm -hmm. had to practice. And so I remember watching that thinking, man, if we had that kind of work ethic with comedy, like if we worked on comedy like the same way, like that obsessive all day long, you would, you'd have to get better. You'd have to get better. Yeah, you have to get better, and you also have to, um, you know, I don't know what to say, but it's like you have to look at the joke. You have to look at the joke a million different ways before you realize that, like, you know, okay, this is like – like I said earlier, with chunks of material, like where else can this go? It right. can't just be a standalone. Like I, I there's got to be more to it, right. and that's the thing of like bringing on stage and now like okay, I want to try it this way. I want to try it this way. I want to try it that way. So to me, that's that's why when people go like, don't you get bored saying the same thing? It's like no, I'm never saying the same thing. You know, it's like yeah. it's always a little different. So you're always tweaking it, tweaking it, turning it over. You know, like seeing if it can stand different places in the show. You know, when was the last time you filmed? Um, I'm coming up on shooting something soon, but uh, I would say that I did that road work probably like five, six years ago or something like that. When do you think you'll want to do it? When do you think you want to film? I don't know. I think I'm going to, um, maybe before the end of the year, maybe beginning of next year. But I, I know the hour for me has always been tough getting that much joke, like without mm -hmm. fat in it. But I would say that the half hour I find so interesting. Like I, uh, watched earthquakes half hour and I was like, thunderous. It was great. And Thunderous. I was like, he's having fun. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. The crowd gets him. They're all having a great time. It's not like this big kind of set piece battle. You know what I'm saying? Like where it's right. like, you know, uh, the first 10 minutes, you know, and then you could tell. And then it gets to that midpoint of like, now he has to restart the special again. You know, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And then bringing it home. Like, that's difficult. You've done it. It's mm -hmm. tough, you know. So I was like, the half hour to me seems the right amount of time for people's attention span and also for me with what I do to get out like what I want to say and then get out of there. Right. Know?
Well, then do that. Are you? Are you? Would you release it on Netflix? Would you go the YouTube route? What would you do to, these days? I'll have to ask you when I get closer because I really don't even know what to do. I really don't have that kind of pull to like you know say hey I want to do it here or there. But there's so many different types of platforming now that like it would be dumb to really kind of lock it in before you even see it. You know, but I, I definitely I definitely want it to be. You know, a club show, you know, yeah. like, because that's what I've done. And right. I'm coming to the end of this anyhow. So I want, you know, to kind of go out the way I do it. And The uh, end of this? What the fuck are you talking about? Well, I, I don't see many, uh, you know, like, uh, whatever. I, you know, people always like, come on, you're like Don Rickles. You'll do it forever. I go, I'd like to, but I don't want to have to, you know. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. You don't want to be up there like, oh, my God, I, I, gotta, I got that, you know, I got to pay that alimony, you know, oh, that kind yeah. of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, I don't know. I mean, I think Netflix has been cool for a lot of people. Netflix I think uh, is great. HBO, all these different places, they all have like, there's something interesting about all of them. What do you like? Now I think the beautiful thing is your fans will find it, no matter where it is. Like yeah. your, your fans will find it if it's on Netflix. Your fans will find it if it's on HBO. The question is like, what's going to bring in the most new fans? True. And I think there's a lot of people that, I know you hate compliments. You're one of the best comics alive, and I don't think uh, people realize how funny you are. People say that I mean, to me, but it means something else when it comes from you, so thanks, Joe. Really, point. it does, it's and true. I'm not stroking you or anything We like all that. say that. We all say that. You know, we all love you. All right, well, and thanks, it's, man. It's, uh, the, the rest of the world should see what the fuck you're doing. So whatever you do, whether you do it on uh, YouTube or whether you do it on Netflix or HBO or whatever, just, uh, people need to watch it. They need to get a, That's nice. get a glimpse. Thank you. It's great, man. Last time I saw you live was it was a couple of years back at the Improv. It was so much fun, man. That was your show. Yeah, you had it was me so there. So much fun. I didn't tell you how nervous I was, did I? No. I was like, I'm going to be going up there doing jokes and like, you know, Joe's crowd, you know, they want to hear like real deal, sh you know, they want to hear the shit and like, I'm going to be doing my dumb jokes and like, they loved it. They were Not great. So, they were know, so was, giving to me. And then you went up there, you closed it out and people don't realize how hard it is to close the show, especially when you're working on material. It's not like you're going to go like, okay, now I'm going to throw down with my best, you know, I'm putting all, all the, you know, I'm putting all my ammo in. No, it's like you're going up there and you're working on stuff so i was like you know i respect that i respect that and you know you and and dave and all these guys who bring so many comics out on the road i love it and then you go on at the end that's tough you know it's fun though man it's fun you know it's like we're all having a good time together and it's also uh it's my favorite thing to watch too so i get to see great comics yeah you know working with uh really funny people on the road is the best you get to see them crush this is something exciting about it there is uh, there's something like when I think people also, you know, when you were touring with, with Chappelle and stuff like that, these are event shows. These are like shows that you tell years, you know, for years about like I was at that show, you know, I was there. So for the hardcore fan, these are like amazing times for comedy. You it's know? a great time for comedy in general because I think the world genuinely needs things to be mocked right now because so many things are so off the rails and so crazy on both sides of the political spectrum, the cultural spectrum. Right. You know, in terms of, like, uh, the, the relationship the United States has with the world, things are so bonkers right now that if you're not making fun of things... True. Like, it's fucking... <laughs> it's already so so high-strung and so fucking wound up and dangerous. Like, the world is so fucking frustratingly aggressive right now. <laughs> it's so crazy. I There's so much going on with Russia and Ukraine and the climate change and fucking COVID and... Ah! Have you done Europe? <sighs> have you played... Have you... Uh you know, toured through Europe or anything like that? Um, not in a while. I'm doing the UK. I'm doing uh, London in October. Yeah. Okay. One show. Oh, Just cool. want to go there, have some fun for a few days, mm -hmm. fuck around. 
Yeah, that was another thing that like uh, Stanhope, you know, like he was he was like pretty much the first guy I knew who was like, you know, England and he, oh, yeah. he was doing all that kind of stuff. He did and, a film. He filmed a special in Oslo, didn't he? Uh, well, either way, I was like, you know, like, you know, they love Bill Hicks and he was definitely like, you know, yeah. the heir apparent to him, rightfully so. I mean, like there was no one like Doug. So, so like when you tell me like England and how like, you know, what it was like over there and, you know, my, I've done a, a bunch of shows like, you know, whatever, Germany, whatever, all those different places. But I was always like, you know, it's really for the trip, right? I mean, cause like, you know, let's face it, you know, these people like they're kind of polite, they applaud or they heckle drunkenly. So, but now I get it. I think. Netflix or whatever has made it an international. People get it now. They yeah. get what comedy is. So it's probably way better now than when I did it. You know, They want to see it, too. It's like, you know, there's not a lot of American comics that go to those places. So, True. I mean, like it or not, there's a lot of great comics all over the world, but it's kind of an American art form in a lot of ways. Right. It kind of originated here. And the, the current form that you and I do it, mm -hmm. it originated, originated right here. They... uh People, comics come from all over, like to the cellar, and they you could see them there, like studying it. You know, mm. it's kind of weird, like protect your data, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> That's the weird thing when you find out people are doing your jokes in another language. How cool is that, though? So Who weird. do you call for that one? Who do you call? I guess the Hague. You got to get the world, <laughs> well, the, the co is, world court. So many people are, are bilingual. They they find out about it. And mm. They rat them out. There was a few French Canadian guys that were doing that in Montreal. But I would give it to the, the guy day. though. Like if it was a guy, like he's like, I've got your joke, but I use tiger instead of, you know, like makes it local. I'd be like, all right, you can do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, how many guys started out in other countries just stealing jokes and then they had to develop their own act? True. Because they were doing that was a problem in like the the nineties, I remember. There was quite a few guys like that that would be stealing jokes in other languages or stealing jokes from, you know, comics that people didn't know and doing it in their country where there's no comedy. Holy what? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, comedy, comedy is now a global thing, but I think for the longest time it wasn't. I think it was like real isolated little patches where you could get away True. with some shit. Yeah. No, I think when they come over, I think that it kind of blows them away to see like what it is as yeah. opposed to what they've been doing over there. So, you know, tip of the hat for us. Tip right? of the hat. Yeah. Well, in, in these weird times, I think this is like where comedy becomes actually a, a valuable function in society to be able to mock things and joke around and have some fun still. Well, do Dude, you you like basically have done the hard work for us. So you know this is like another like one of those. I wanted to say this to you for a while, but it's like you know, you like years ago when I did Letterman. You know how like Im impressive that was to both friends and family. And that I told people I was coming on this. It's the same reaction. Like they love you. They see well, this as awesome. an important thing. And uh, I, I totally agree with them that like you know you you've done a lot of heavy lifting for all of us. So thanks. Well, it was easy. It wasn't heavy lifting. It was just hanging out. I don't know. You're taking the hits, basically. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're like, you're fighting the good fight. You know, and we're all like, you know, right behind you, basically. So well, thank, thank you, you for much. taking the hits. My pleasure, brother. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a fun and exciting time in a lot of ways. I think people are gonna come out of this in the in the other end, uh, more aware of the pitfalls of certain types of thinking and behavior and mm -hmm. and what we tolerate and what we don't tolerate, and that there needs to be some sort of order in society. True. It doesn't mean you're bad. Because you want some order, it just means you want people to be peaceful, mm. and that could be worked out. But there, there's a lot of shit that it needs to be worked out in this country that just doesn't get addressed. Like, why is all this uh, crime originating in these areas that have been impoverished forever, and why aren't we helping them? 
Why aren't we helping f fix those spots where all this crime is coming from? And there's n very little effort put into doing that, but so much effort put into helping other countries. And it drives people nuts. Yeah. You know, when they, uh, it's not that we shouldn't be supporting Ukraine, but where was all that fucking money when you wanted to fix Baltimore? Where was all that money to fix Detroit? Where is that all that money to you know stop all the fucking street violence in uh, South Side of Chicago? Where, where, how, how do you fix that? Mm. That why isn't that being addressed like whole scale, like the entire country? Why aren't they looking at like all these spots where they're typically riddled with crime and violence? How do we? Do, what do we do to mitigate that? How do we do it to make this place safer and better for everybody that grows up there? Well, I know in New York, like, um, you know, kids on, like, um, mini bikes and ATVs and stuff yeah. like that, that, like, until you've been circled by a group of teenagers on an ATV, like, you, <sighs> you really, it really does, like, you feel that moment of, like, you know, this is, like, the wolves and you're the wounded buffalo. Yeah. And it's, like, only a matter, you can turn towards one, but the other one's going to, so <laughs> you really have this feeling of almost prey, I guess you could say, you know? So I was, like... Yeah, this, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we had an area to do that. But these kids, they live in the city. So I guess this is their, you know, like area to do it. But it still is like, it is terrifying. And I guess, you know, part of that's being old. The other part of it's like what you just said, that like, why is this going on? Why isn't anyone talking about it? It is wild. And, they're, the, and people don't know that in New York, they're confiscating them and destroying them. Oh, There's they? video <laughs> of it. And people are like, why are they destroying those? Like, you don't understand what's going on in New York. Like these guys are just riding these on the streets. I I, I I just give these kids like they really are great consumers, you know. Like it's just amazing. Like the coolest thing they will get somehow, you know, and like they will wait online to get it too. Like I've seen kids wait online for sunglasses. Like I never would do that as a kid. Like I don't care. Like you know, I'm 15. I gotta have the best pair of sunglasses. I don't care. Whatever. I'll put my hand over my eyes. I don't. I don't really care. But for them, it's style. It's showing. It's swagger. So you know, if that's how they live, that's fine. But we all don't have to be a part of it, you know. Yeah, you definitely don't have to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. The dirt bike thing's wild. Like, where are they getting all the dirt bikes from? Is there like a black market of dirt bikes where they're shipping them into New York City because they know kids will buy them? And is that really the best way to put their paper route money to, <laughs> <laughs> to good use? What about the college jar? These put guys some are money just in there. Meth. They don't have a paper route. <laughs> but it's just funny where it's like fifty guys on mini bikes. You know, it's like you might be able to outrun them. Probably not though. But when they circle, that's really. It's, is that it's, what you saw? You saw. I've seen 50? that. I've seen a couple of. Th yeah, it's like it's like basically like a. Like, I saw one actually when the queen went down, and I'm like, I didn't know they cared. It was like a missing man formation. It's like, wow, I didn't know they were into that, you know? I remember they used to organize these motorcycle gangs, and they would, uh, like, kids on those, uh, like, Kawasaki ninjas and shit like that. Yes. And they would, they would all those, like, fast bikes, they would zip around town, mm -hmm. and, like, a giant group of them, and people would panic. Oh, that happens, too. But this is just basically, like, kind of a stroll, like, where, like, you know— kind of doing like a New Orleans funeral here, you know, like just like, just, uh, you know, we're blown through the red lights. And as a wow. driver, you're like, I better not, I better be careful. These kids are not stopping, you know, so. They just blow through red lights? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. They they feel, ow. What happened? It's my leg. What happened to it? <laughs> Sorry. You got a cramp? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. You all right? I'm all right. What a great time. Work through it. I am. <sighs> Get the cold bath. You know what someone told me once? I don't know if this works. If you pinch down on your tongue, it alleviates a cramp in your leg. So pinch down on your tongue. See if that it's works. It's not working. <laughs> no, it did. Does that work? Find out if that works. Is that an old wives' tale? Maybe it's like, um, what's that stuff? Like reflexology? Might not be real. <laughs> no, I'm good. You good? You back? Yeah, that's another thing for not drinking water. You cramp up? Okay. Uh, pinch lip. Oh, it's your lip. 
Leg cramps or muscle spasms may be triggered by an over, uh, overactivated nerves. Other people have described a similar technique. They recommend pinching the center of the upper lip right under the nose for a minute or two. Mm. How do they know if the cramp doesn't just go away? Yeah. He's concentrating on a new thing. I don't know, but I think I just shit my pants. Ah. Sorry. Sorry. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that's what it is. So that's what it is. Yeah. I'm glad it happened here and not out on the street. You're back? I would have been. Uh, Has what? that happened before? Oh, Leg yeah. cramps? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Leg cramps. You should take uh, liquid IV. It's an electrolyte I knew drink. you'd have some kind of potion or good lotion for, for it. Yeah, it's good. It, it's, uh, it hydrates you. It gives How you... do you have all this time to like do this stuff? People tell me things. Oh, okay. And that's one of the sponsors. Oh, is it? Yeah, Liquid IV, they've been sponsored forever. It's good stuff. Take it before I work out. Take it after I work out sometimes. I'm just going to whisper a prayer into the ruins um, here. Are you back or are you cramping up again? I'm good. Okay. Scaring me. Yeah. Wouldn't that be weird to go down here? That would suck. That would get some Don't good views, though, wouldn't no. it? No. We'd edit it out. No, we didn't. <sighs> Unless you wanted me to. Would you want me to edit it out? Mm, I don't know. It seems a little disrespectful. You think? Yeah, for you to just croak in front of everybody. Mm, let me stand up and see how it works. <laughs> oh, this is better. You yeah. good? Do you have a, like a sciatic nerve thing going on? No, I think what it is is, uh, you know, I had a hernia operation. Oh, shit. So I could feel it like with my bowels moving around differently, you know. Oof. And then I, I, you, it usually happens when I'm on the toilet, you know, like uh -huh. where it's like, oh, God. And then there's a lot of cleanup. <laughs> Honestly, it really is sad. <laughs> you cramp up. Yeah, you cramp up, and then it's all over the place. But do you want to end this? Are we good? Should we? It's are you on, okay. Yeah, let me sit down. So, like, just in case you do, are you okay? Take it out. I'm fine. Yeah, but okay. it, it was a lot of sitting. You know. Damn. So maybe that was part of it too. These are. I know. As my good. knee goes out on a plane now, does that happen to you? When you sit. On, yeah. On a plane. Yeah. What happens? I feel like my knee. Like I have a knee injury, so mm. it's like I. I just feel like my whole leg is like can't feel it for a minute you know and then it goes like numb and i'm like oh it's my knee i know oh. it's like my knee and that's just from sitting constantly on a plane yeah sitting with a knee injury is not good and then when you have to get up it's stiff uh-huh yeah well what can you do right battle yeah. battle damage yes you know? how'd you hurt your knee uh uh, I think uh, kicking it, ass and nom. Yeah, I think <laughs> <laughs> I was a repo man. I was the third guy in on the. <laughs> I was the door. Kicker. I wish it was a cool story. I think it was uh, trying to. I was a fat kid trying to get over a hobby horse in gym. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, come on, Tubbs, get over that. Uh, that was back when you were allowed to, you know, shame a fat kid. You know, like, right, come on, sugar days. tits, get in there. The good old days. Where's the fat male models? <laughs> exactly. Come on. Yeah. How come? That How is come a not? guilty pleasure show, My 600-Pound Life. Is Every, it? Do you like tell, it? Tell me somebody who doesn't watch that. I don't watch it. You don't watch it? No. You got to please take a look. I get sad when people are that fucked up. Oh, no. I'm, I'm totally sad, but it's just amazing <laughs> how, they, how, they, how they get through. The, I mean, like, can you imagine being able to, like, function without moving? And these no. people have figured it out. It's like they're, like, like, like basically, like... A jellyfish. They're like kind of oh. floating through life, you know? It's so bad. But it is sad. When True. They get like uh, glued into their couch. Yeah. You know, those people, they're like body integrates with their couch. Yeah. And then you're like, how are you shitting? Like, who's cleaning? Well, what's going on? They, they are very, uh, uh, it's graphic because they'll like, they'll show the person, like, I have to take a shower. I'm going to see doctor now. So they'll show them get up 
and like blur the areas but because they're already kind of blurred you know physically that like you're like what are you blur you know and then you'll see them shower and things like that so Oof. it is definitely not an only fans moment you know it's um human beings are so strange in that there's certain like patterns of behavior that people get stuck in where they just can't stop eating or they can't stop yeah. gambling like there's people that just it's like emotional. they can't it's stop whatever it is they can't stop they can't stop watching porn they can't stop whatever the fuck it is they can't stop they just get trapped and they just can't stop eating it's wild yeah it's a wild thing like like what what is going on the calculating aspects of the human brain and all the emotions and all the different hormones and all the the cascade of uh, neural functions that are all these things that are happening simultaneously and then something leads you to just want to just stuff your face all the time mm. and you can't stop it's wild yep it's a, just a wild thing that the human brain can vary so much you know, you could be Elon Musk who's running five different corporations, or you could be a guy who's like sitting on a couch who can't shit. Yeah. He can't get up to shit. He has to shit where he lays. Mm hmm Like in the one day, it must be like, I can't get up to shit anymore. I just have to shit right here. Right. And, uh, <sighs> you know, it's also like really hard on their family, too. It's oh like any God. addiction. You know, they suffer as well, so. Well, and also, it's, it's oftentimes a lot of people in the family have the same addiction. True. That's, uh, that's the kind of, you know household that it was you know they all, food was the answer for a lot of things so see i'd rather watch swamp people i watch that too that, that's that to me is wild. and naked and afraid naked i love that show do you watch that i've watched that a few times you know what you know what my biggest revelation is what naked and afraid is like these people they are all professional survivalists but you take away shoes from people and we are right back to cave people like uh -huh. like the, whoever invented shoes or sandals, this guy, like, honestly, this person, whoever it was, like, we owe them that, a lot. that really, like, gave us at least not equal footing with the animals, but, like, we were able to move around without, like, ow, ooh. But supposedly, back in the day, our feet were, like, rocks. Like, yeah. honestly, talk about, like, you know, you could, like, step on coals and, like, it wouldn't bother you. So You ever see what uh, feet look like of people that walk barefoot through, like, the jungle? Uh, like a, like a hand. Yeah, they splay out. Oh, man, crazy. It's, it's really wild. Pull up some of them feet of people that live, like, they, they develop these muscles in their feet that are just like a thumb muscle. They push down on stuff. And so when they're moving around things, they have, like, real contact with mm -hmm. the ground. We have these, like, bitch-ass, like, feet that have been in a cast our whole lives. I have terrible feet, too. Look at that. That's yeah. crazy, man. Look at that. Like a hand, like a hobbit, crazy. like a hobbit foot. Crazy. And imagine how strong those things are. They could like, choke you to death with he those could things. could, like, like, whatever up a tree just using his feet. Like, you can't probably. really do that. Yeah. Right. They probably have, like, incredible grip with their toes. What uh, is that? Well, that's, well, that's I don't like think. That's like a disease. What yeah, is it's that? like leprosy or something. Ah. Uh. That's it. That's the feet. That's weird. What is that? What does it say? Huarani Indian? How do you say that? Horani. Horani. Horani Indian with splayed feet. Yeah. Yeah, it's like um, my friend Steve <laughs> Ranella. He was in uh, the, I think he was in Bolivia, some, somewhere like that. And he uh, found a bunch of people that lived like that, <laughs> walking around barefoot. You're not going to be able to crock your way through that that kind of a foot. That foot is like like a, like a stallion. You can't break that foot. That foot <laughs> will never be in a shoe. Imagine that foot with them pointy toes, dancing shoes. Oh, my God. Ah! Oh, what is that? Wow. The ostrich tribe of rare Oh, like toes. the lobster people. Wow, but it's only their feet. 
Wow. So it's a quite Amazing. a few people. Quite a few people have that. That's what crazy. That? Wow. Dude, what a way to end it, huh? What a way to end it. Weird feet. Yeah, man. You ever put like a ball on and like you step on it? Yeah, like those that are great. kind of thing. Yeah, that's like that yeah. opens up. Talk about like opening your brain, man. You feel like, wow, I can, you know, do algebra or something. You know what I started wearing recently is uh, shoes with a wide toe box. I've been wearing those more. I got these fucking things on right now. They have like a, they're ultras, I guess. Yeah. They have like a wide toe box so your toes can move around. Oh, that's good. The front. Yeah. Yeah, no, my feet are terrible. It's like that's another like, uh, I guess you could say like a occupational, like I don't know, like a standing on my feet, yeah, you know, all the time, you know, whatever. It's just not. I could just feel it, like by the end of the ah, uh, it's like oh man, not good, you know. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where you're on a scooter on stage? On a scooter? Oh yes, <laughs> that would be because clubs now they have that lift. So I was like, oh, we got to do it. Disneyland scooter, just that would be scoot up. That would be awesome, right yeah. there. That would be great, and open it, wheel me out. Mm. <laughs> Here he is, everybody. Watch out. I'm taking off the tarp. And then there he is. Would you have the opener wheel you out, or would you do it? Would you have one that's remote control? Like, I would like to do, well, you know, with me in the smoking, so I'll probably have a, a tracheotomy by then, but I would love to do crowd work. Like, where are you from? You know, like, <laughs> what's going <laughs> on? Do they still do those? What? These things where you talk with so, yeah, with the, your with throat. The, Hey everybody! You know I have two. So how, have they, how have they not come come up with an artificial throat? Yeah, like and you can change your voice. Like you're uh, working on that. Like one of those, uh, you know, um, <laughs> learn a language things. You know, like one of those apps. <laughs> you can roll your R's. But uh, yeah, no, I could totally see that happening. You know, I bought a new walker for my mom, and like uh, uh, the one that we got was like off road. So like now she can really go anywhere. So. It's kind of cool that, like, you know, it's got these big mag wheels on it. Like, she's, like, basically, it's like an APC of, like, walkers, you know? Like, she can, like, handle, like, you know? <laughs> Remember those things that everybody would scoot around on? They're like a hoverboard yeah, with a handle? Hover around. What were those things called, Jamie? Segways. Segways. Yeah. Remember those were going to take over? Yeah, what happened? Be, the Segways went away, and you they get replaced by the scooter. I still see them every day in downtown Austin, like, on tours. Yeah, like, oh, you can Segway tours? a Segway tour. Yeah, that, that's, that's the only place that's I've San ever Francisco seen them, too. But, yeah. Didn't somebody famous eat shit when the power went off and they went forward? And they got hurt? I think, like, you know, with those things, the problem is if the power goes off, if it dies, it's just, like, you're, you're on this gyroscope, oh, right? Uh, Was it, like, George Bush or something well, like that? the owner... Millionaire owner of a Segway has died after falling off a cliff. Yeah, the guy who invented it. He's oh, an interesting no. guy. This guy's like a mad inventor. He fell off a cliff? Mm-hmm. Sad story. He's an interesting guy. Oh, my God. He died in a scooter cliff fall. Holy shit. Riding one of his firm's motorized scooters, he fell off a fucking cliff. Or was he pushed? What does this say? Oh, hold on, go back to that. Segway boss died in an act of courtesy. What? He was trying to get out of the way of a dog walker. Oh so. my god! Wow. Trying to make way for a dog walker, and he went off a cliff. Man, holy shit! And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, Dave, that is sad. Tell, performing uh, all around the world. Joe, great to see you. Always good to see you, brother. Yeah, you were not wrong about George Bush, by the way. Oh, it was George Bush? Yeah. Oh, so he did eat shit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a bike guy, I thought. Uh, oh, man. Imagine doing mushrooms with Bush. Mm. All right. 
Joe, thanks for having me, man. David Tell, you're the man. Love you to death. Can I shout out to the fans? Shout uh, out to the fans. To the, for all of you who've uh, come to see me, uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, basically, well, thank you, Joe, for uh, getting the word out on me. And uh, I appreciate it because they definitely come down and they've... And they said, you got to go on Joe, and, you know, I'd love to hear you on Joe, and Joe talks about you. So thanks for, uh, you know, basically. You're one of the best comics alive, man, and please, people, go go see him. Where are you playing next? Where are you at? Well, I think I'll be heading over uh, to get my uh, leg cramp. Uh, <laughs> give or take a leg cramp. Um, Keep a stiff Where we play next time, uh, I don't know, it's up there on my site. DaveTell.com. Uh, Dave yeah, and, uh, you know. There it is. I got so a lot of dates. DC Improv coming up next October, yep. first weekend of October. Uh, DC Improv. Oh, Skankfest. Yep. In Las Vegas. That should be fun. Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in Michigan, October 2021. Beautiful. Louisville Comedy Club. All those are up. Helium coming up in St. Louis. All those are up on uh, davidtell.com. Go see him. He's the fucking man. And, Joe, Thank I can't you. wait for the club to be open. Congrats. I'm excited to have you. I definitely want to come out and All check right. it out, dude. Lots so, of fun. Honestly, thank, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye, everybody.